But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown and you. Oh, it's good to be back. I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. Yeah, maybe after 9-11 where everybody gets some sensitive. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. I don't know. You don't know? You need all those fuckers, though. What's up? Episode sixty-nine. Really sucks. I'm Caleb. I'm not. I'm not Cody. Uh, I'm. I'm usually hiding in my. Well, right here where you can't see me. They put me in front because Cody doesn't want to talk about music, and I like music, so I'm here. Uh, that was way too low energy. So we're gonna go ahead and say what's up, everybody. Welcome back to Really Sucks. I'm Caleb Coho, uh, and we've got a good show tonight. We got a great show, great panel. We're talking the best film scores of all time, uh, and I couldn't imagine. Any other panel to do this? Uh, we will start with the uh, five-time comment of the week award winner, Thomas Scully. Uh, how you doing? Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, how do you think you're going to do tonight? Well, I've been on here twice. The first time, I had a very, very poorly put together list uh, with like twelve hours notice, and a meme was born. And then the second time was a topic that uh, we should probably never uh, talk about again. Um, but tonight, I feel good. These are film scores. Co and I have gone back and forth on many film scores before. Uh, so he should be familiar with my score taste. So will that be an advantage? Probably not. Probably the opposite. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I, I feel good. Let's, let's see how many times I get yelled at tonight. We shall see. Uh, I, I am the yelling one tonight that's supposed to tell you your list sucks, but I am not the angriest person on the panel. But <laughs> the man directly uh, below me and to my left, uh, Lucas Schilbach. How are you doing, Lucas? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, last time I was on, I won. Don't expect to win this time because I don't think um, – oh, I didn't suck up to Caleb enough, so I probably won't win this time. So we'll see what goes. We will see. We shall see. It is my opinion that matters. It's nice. Uh, the second place uh, comment of the week award with four comments of the week wins. Uh, Nick Tuig. How you doing, Nick? That is, that is news to me. Is that a real thing? <laughs> I am keeping track of this. I've been doing comment of the week for like ten, nine weeks right now, I think. Straight. I've literally never noticed that I've won one. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, uh, well, thanks. That, that's wow. My day is so much brighter now. Um, I don't care what happens in this episode. Uh, I'm probably gonna, I, I think I might win. Um, but like, not for, like, I didn't try all that hard to win, but I feel like, you know what I mean? You'll know what I mean. Also, Cole's been wearing that there for two days. What? what? All right. Never mind. We're moving on. Uh, the man uh, who wears the blankets almost every recording. It's the music guy, Brooklynvale. How you doing, Brooklyn? It's good. It's what September. Uh, I think today was the first day that was like below ten degrees on average. So it's cold as fuck now. Uh, so we're in blanket sweater weather now. Uh, but yeah, I got to stay on brand for this list. I didn't have to watch any movies. I just got to listen to music. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm all about. All right. Well, uh, we'll go ahead. We'll get right into uh, this list. I think it's going to be a good time. Uh, we'll start with Mr. Thomas Scully. Give me your ten through eight. All righty. My number 10 uh, is Creed. My number 9 is The Social Network. My number 8, also known as the uh, Kelco uh, Kiss-Ass Pick, La La Land. <laughs> I don't hear yikes. This makes me right. nervous. 
All right. So, Matan uh, Creed. This is a, this is hands down the, the best soundtrack we hear in the Rocky franchise. Lobe Granson does a perfect blend of his own Creed themes, and he picks the right moments to infuse a, to to put in Bill Conti's original Rocky theme. Um, my favorite of that being uh, it, towards the t- end of his fight with uh, with Conlon, you hear that Rocky theme. Um, you get chills down your spine. It's fantastic. Um, and I, his theme overall, especially incorporating contemporary music with uh, the Meek Mill song during the training montage, I think that's great. Um, this is uh, Granson's best work, in my opinion, so it got a spot on my list. Um, my nine, uh, Resident Ross, Social Network. I'm, not, I'm surprised uh, that nobody else had to have this on here. Uh, this one, uh, Best Original Score. Uh, this is a beautiful, beautiful soundtrack. Not my favorite of the year. Just a little hint to see where my list is going. Um, I, I it, it it translates the film perfectly into music. Just sort of like a, a a monotone, steady pace, kind of how the film goes. Um, just beautiful piece of music. After beautiful piece of music all throughout the movie. Um, and my number eight, uh, La La Land. It yes, it's the Co Kiss Ass one, but I love this score. This does such a good job. Conveying emotion through his music, uh, the Mia and Sebastian theme is so beautiful. Uh, his music during all of the songs is great. Uh, his sort of lively melodies in with songs like uh, "Somewhere in the Crowd" compared to some of the um, more mellower songs like "City of Stars" and "The Fools Who Dream." I, I again, he does such a good job infusing emotion into his music. You really feel. Uh, the, you, you really feel what the characters feel through the music. Um, so that's my needs. All right. Well, we'll 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 save the on trial graphic for the rest of you later. Uh, baseline. We have to see what's coming. Uh, number ten. So Creed. Uh, Creed's a good pick. I like Creed. Um, I think the score for Creed's really well done. I think. Um, I think I would have probably leaned towards the actual Bill Conti score for Rocky, just because I think that that whole piece is good. I like Creed and Creed 2 scores a lot. I think Granson does a great job. I think my favorite moments in each of those scores are when the Rocky theme comes back. Um, but I can't I can't fault it. It's your 10. Um, I agree with the rest of the chat. Uh, no yikes on the social network is insane. Uh, this score is uh, literally emblematic of what that entire movie is. Uh, it's pulse pounding and, ang- and gives you a lot of anxiety at points and at other times it's very monotone just like Eisenberg uh, and Mark Zuckerberg is in that movie and it just f- adds so much to that film through music. Uh, it won for a reason. Uh, La La Land is one of the best film scores of the decade. Uh, it's not the best film score of the decade but it's the second best film score of the decade. Because uh, La La Land scored, like you said, Me and Smash's theme, one of the most brilliant themes uh, of the year. I think the piano work throughout the score is great. Um, I think the way that Planetarium uh, scene especially, the music for that's great. I think Herbert's work on La La Land is absolutely astounding. Uh, and you are all on trial for not having it. Uh, all right. So, uh, Lucas, uh, you are thumbs down incorrect picks. Let's see what your bad takes are. Oh, I mean... Hurwitz didn't deserve an Oscar, let's be real. Um, Okay. (laughs) No, not currently. Um, All right, my number 10 is Sherlock Holmes, the Hans Zimmer score. Yikes! Oh, wow, okay. I put this on as an oddball pick. I'm surprised you get yikes. Number nine, Braveheart, James Horner. And my number eight is uh, Trevor Jones and Randy Edelman's score for Last of the Mohicans. No, yikes, go for it. All right, um... I'll skip 10, but nine and eight actually kind of tie, tie in together. These are just um, 
scores that set the mood for a time and a place we're not as familiar with that, you know, James Horner, Braveheart really gives you this idea of Scotland. And it really kind of sets you in this um, foreign, almost fanciful, fanciful world of Scotland, but also brings it back when we need any kind of um, heroic moment from Wallace, any kind of fight scene. Uh, absolutely wonderful score, really kind of um, drives the emotion into this movie, which it needs because this movie also not only needs to be impressive and heroic, but also you need to have that emotional component that um, uh, really keeps you engaged in the film. <laughs> All right, uh, number eight, Last of the Mohicans. I'm kind of shocked no one has this. I love this score. Love every single thing about it. Uh, Hawkeye's theme, the theme for Chingachgook and Uncas. Um, I Will Find You has a great um, uh, musical moment related to it. Um, I could hum the theme song because I've listened to that many times. Not going to do that because no one wants to hear that. <laughs> Nick's trying to egg me on. Great score. Um, just really puts you in the old American uh time period and uh, really sets you up in the middle of like the French and Indian war. All right. So uh, having not seen either of your movies, I listened to the scores, so I don't necessarily know how they completely relate with the film, uh, but listening to them as pieces of music, Braveheart is a good choice. I like this score. Um, I was, per I, I was not blown away. I thought it was a pretty good job from Horner. I think Horner has made two or three scores that I think are better than this. Uh, but Braveheart, I can't fault you, uh, especially because I haven't seen what it looks like paired with visuals. Last of the um it was good. Top ten of all time is a little is a little crazy. Uh, I if you're going for a score that does this, maybe a little bit better. John Williams did this with the Patriot, and I think it works almost a little bit better. Um, but it's not a bad score. But top ten of all time, you put it in your bottom three, so I can't totally ding you on it. But weird choice. Uh, he will. So, Tuig, Nicholas J, give us your ten through eight. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> ten is uh, Jaws. Yeah, crazy storm. Um, number nine is uh, the Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring. You will note a theme uh, for the <laughs> And you might get a hint as to what kind of movies I watch. Uh, number eight is uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. No yikes for any of these is wild. All right, go ahead. Crazy people. Um, okay, I guess, so start with Jaws. Um, I am going to be much worse at talking about film scores as uh, the two people that preceded me and probably the one that will follow me uh, and the one hosting it. Um all I can say about Jaws is that it, uh, the score is what create to me is what creates um, the fact that it's one of the best horror movies ever made. Uh, it's it's the score that really creates all the tension. It, uh, part of it is the way like Spielberg shoots it and stuff, but it's that very very simple um, building theme, the main theme from Jaws, the one that, that builds that lets you know the shark's coming, um, that has had such an iconic. Uh, it's left such an iconic mark on cinema in general. Um, and, and to me, that's that's one of the clear examples of how to use music to create tension and, and horror. Um, so that's why Jaws had to make the list. Um, nine, so Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. I didn't have this at first. Um, I hadn't watched uh, the Middle Earth movies in, in, in a hot second, uh, and I didn't have this originally. Um, and so I was watching, I watched the Middle Earth trilogy and I was, 
I was stupid because most of these scores on here, uh, I've like played in a band at some point in time, like in concert band <laughs> or something like that, uh, which probably makes me like them that much more. Um, Fellowship of the Ring is so dynamic in the sense that each place has its own theme. Each character has their own theme. Um, and each piece of music fits those places and characters so well. Um, it's it, it's just a hodgepodge of so many different things that all blend together uh, so well. So that's why Lord of the Rings had to be on. And finally, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, one of my favorite franchises of all time. Um, and I think, I, again, you'll notice that most of these iconic franchises that like we choose to put in fandom because of their fan followings, because of their iconic statuses, a lot of it, a lot of them have really familiar themes. A lot of people know the music for these for these movies. Um, and I think uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone did one of the best jobs of creating this magical world that like, we don't believe in in the wizarding world if we don't have that um, that mood, that tone that the score sets. So the main theme from, from Sorcerer's Stone uh, is one of the most fitting pieces of music to a, to a film um, that I think exists, personally. All right. Uh, so first of all, all of you are fucking crazy because all three of these are great choices. I'll start with Jaws. Uh, I just saw Jaws for the first time this year. I knew the score long before it. The score is iconic for a reason. It's great. And watching it with the movie, it fits hand in glove. Uh, that theme definitely helps create the suspense and the dread. Uh, so great choice. Uh, I mean, 10 is good. I'll say 10 is a good pl placement for it. Uh, I won't fault you on placement. I'm going to fault the rest of them for not having it. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, let's just, you know, cat out of the bag, all worst-kept secret co-hosts watch these and hates them. Uh, I will say the score for The Fellowship of the Ring, though, is fantastic. Uh, the Shire theme, uh, I think, is maybe the best theme in all of Middle-earth. Personally, I think it's an incredible piece of score. It's Howard Shore's best score um, by a lot. Uh, he's made a lot of great themes. I think Lord of the Rings is his magnum opus, especially Fellowship of the Ring. Um, great choice. Uh, and then, of course, Harry Potter. Uh, do I love the Harry Potter franchise on the whole? Not as much as the rest of you, uh, but I will say the theme for Harry Potter through and through is one of the best music themes of all time. Uh, the score for the Sorcerer's Stone is perfect. It's super whimsical. It sweeps you off your feet. My only ding on this one is because I watched another movie this year composed by the same man. Where you could very tell that he reused the theme from an old from another movie of his to create the Harry Potter theme. I still think the Harry Potter theme is fantastic. It's great. I think it's a great choice. I I'm not going to ding you for having it at all. Uh, but I I would assume the score that I'm talking about will come up at some point on this list. But all three of these great choices right now, too, is in the lead. Uh, Brooklyn Vale, start us out. All right, this should be interesting. Uh, number ten, we have Back to the Future. Uh, number nine, we have American Beauty. Uh, and number eight uh, is John Carpenter's Halloween. Uh, yikes. All right. Uh, talk about your 10 or 9. All right. So Back to the Future, uh, the score really helps with the tone in terms of like like the fantasy aspect of it, of its like sci-fi adventure, but it has it gives it sort of that, that whimsicalness. Um it is Alan Silvestri, but it has, it has that, that Elfin sort sort of style. Um I actually don't have any Dan Elfin on here, which I was I was surprised uh upon like upon constructing the list. 
the reason why it is so low uh, is because uh, Alex Vestry doesn't like uh, Woodwinds. Um, very afraid of using them. I find a lot in this out and this score in particular. It's a lot of just like French horns, trumpets, and strings. They kind of venture off the things for a little bit, but then they go, kind of go back to that, and that kind of gets tired for a while. Um, American Beauty, uh, shout out to Jake Marignoni. Uh, we talked about this on his episode of Jam Session. This is his favorite score, uh, and I kind I kind of fell in love with it uh, upon first listen. Uh, this is like one of the more minimalistic scores. Uh, nice, effective use of, of marimba. I like how in the overall theme, how the general motif is a it's, a, it's, it's two successions of notes, one going down and one going mostly up. Um, and how that fits harmoniously as well as how it just sort of stays in with the rest of the movie and not being, not being, um, repetitive and redundant at times. Um, and then I can't talk about a break. So. Uh, all right. So back to the future is a really good score. Uh, it's not my favorite Sylvester piece, but it's up there. Um, I think the back to the future theme gets overshadowed a little bit by how popular the power of love and other songs on the soundtrack are. Uh, but I still think the score for back to the future is a really good one. It's a really great piece. Um, I wouldn't put it any higher than 10 for that exact reason that it gets overshadowed a lot, but I think it is a really great score. Um, I, I think it's a good choice for your 10, so good job. Uh, American Beauty is a good score. Uh, I think it is probably the best original score winner of 1999. Uh, however, for the top 10 best scores of all time, I wouldn't necessarily put it on. I think Thomas Newman is a very, very, very good composer. Uh, he's made many, many, many scores that I think could be in contention for this. I, I think American Beauty is one of them that could be in contention. Uh, I don't think it's the right Thomas Newman for a top 10 all-time scores list. I won't fuck on it. It's a good pick. Uh, it's one of his top three. So if it's not like he came to me and said, hey, his score for that one sequel to that one horror movie from 1998, let's go. So I'll, I'll, I'll say, sure, that's a fine pick. Um, all right, back to Thomas Scully, your seven through four. All right, so my number seven, we're going we're to keep the theme with the classic John Williams picks. So my number seven is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yikes. All right. My number six, uh, you saw me react when Two Week had Fellowship because I, my number six is Return of the King. Uh, so I was going back and forth between both Return of the King and Fellowship. I ultimately chose Return of the King because it has a bunch of those same themes from movies. But also you have the added element of the last hour and the and the integration of, of of into the West, which I think makes it just a little bit better than than Fellowship. Um, but echoing everything Tui uh, said uh, uh, about Fellowship, you have themes for nearly every place they go from for for most of the characters as well. Um, I just think that having into the West there when they're all going back to the Shire and having Aragorn's coronation at the end. I, it's so beautiful, and it makes those thirteen endings a lot more bearable. Um, uh, but yeah, I, Into the West just makes the score so much better than what the than what the other two movies have to offer in terms of score. Um, so yeah, that's why that's the primary reason I chose one over the other. So uh, Return of the King is my six. Okay, so I'm not going to fault the Return of the King entirely. I think Fellowship is the better score. Uh, the reasons why you say you picked it is the reason why I wouldn't. It's the exact same score with just with End of the West. End of the West is a great song and deserved to win, and the usage of it is great. Return of the King is a good score. I love hearing all the themes come back in relation to the thing. Uh, I wouldn't pick it. That wouldn't be my choice. I think Tui has the correct Lord of the Rings choice. Um, I think it pairs better within the film. Um, 
I also don't think Return of the Kings should have won Best Original Score 2003. Uh, but hey, good choice. Uh, I would go Fellowship over Return of the King personally, but at least you have the Lord of the Rings represented. Uh, Lucas, you don't have any Lord of the Rings. Why? Um, to be honest, I could not pick between the three. I feel like they blend together so much. And I made a choice, a conscious choice when I was building my list to go with more um, one-off movies and less franchise fare. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Brooklyn, why no Lord of the Rings? Uh, because, well, I haven't seen Return of the King yet, uh, but uh, I promise that Fellowship of the Ring was my number 11. It might have even been my number 10 for about five minutes. Um, but yeah, I couldn't uh, couldn't, couldn't put myself, couldn't put it on there because there was other ones I wanted to talk about. Uh, and Tuig, obviously, you went Fellowship. Yeah. Why Fellowship over Return of the King? It might just be a stupid thing I have in my head. It might be a little unfair, but uh, I tend to like the original like return of the king's awesome but it's be, like co said it's because it's the entire fellowship score plus the song which is a great song um but to me it's like like i don't know what movie he's talking about for the harry potter thing so that might like open my eyes up but like to me the thing that came first like okay that's that's cool because then when you just reuse it it's like, that's a little less impressive but like cool right okay uh scully you're five my number five Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Basketball. I chose the other one. Sounds about right. <laughs> um, you and two are just dancing around each other's franchises. All right, go ahead. <laughs> while I do really love what Williams does with Sorcerer's Stone, I think he takes he. I think he's able to build upon it and develop entirely new themes for the same franchise, which I I, I found mind blowing when I compared the two scores. He still keeps the Hedwig's theme in certain parts of the film, but he also adds tracks like uh, Window to the past which is which which first appears in that scene where harry and lupin are talking about his parents i i think that is such a beautiful piece of music and it's it signifies like the the, the pain harry keeps feeling from the loss of his parents and having lupin come in as kind of a uh not a father figure but but, but more of like a, a kind of uncle authority figure before sirius comes i think william's score perfectly re reflects that and i i just think he, his new themes, uh, like uh, the ones he has for the Care of Magical, uh, Magical Creatures class, like uh, Double Trouble, which I think is fantastic. Uh, just, I give him a lot of credit for being able to develop so many new themes for a franchise that he's already entered into his legacy. Um, plus, I have I enjoy listening to the Prince of Azkaban theme much more than I do uh, with uh, Sorcerer's Stone. Okay, uh, you picked the movie that I like more than Two X, but I, I couldn't. I genuinely couldn't tell you the differences in score. Um, but apparently, the Academy could because they nominated him for both. So I might just be the dumbass that just doesn't hear what y'all are hearing. Uh, I also just clearly don't love the Harry Potter movies as much as you. Uh, but I don't think this is a bad movie. <laughs> I think the score for it was good. Uh, I could just be totally wrong when it comes to the Harry Potters, but I I, I would take Sorcerer's Stone. I think the score for that uh, embodies that movie to the point where I think I know the score better than I know the movie. Um, we'll go to Brooklyn. No Harry Potters. Why? Um, 
I'm kind of like Yuko, where like I obviously grew up with them, watched them as I grew up, but I don't re- I don't revisit them um, as often as I thought I would. Um, if I was going to put on one, it would have been uh, the Sorcerer's Stone or the Philosopher's Stone, or whatever it's called, uh, purely because of that opening theme of how they progress chord wise, um, and that they just take some really interesting turns that you wouldn't normally guess uh, from like a fan from like a a franchise score that's usually kind of paid by the numbers. Uh, Lucas, you are the probably the biggest Potterhead on this call uh, if it comes to trivia knowledge. <laughs> uh, why no Harry Potter scores? Uh, so a couple reasons. One, I would agree that I I would take Sorcerer over Azkaban. That's one. Um, I also limited myself to one per composer. So um, yeah, when it comes to Williams, I like his Harry Potter stuff. It's not unlike the the elite level I think of Williams' work. So this was just one that. I thought about for a second. It was just like, I think there are other Williams I'd rather talk about. All right. Uh, and to it, you picked Sorcerer Stone, obviously. Why Why Sorcerer's and not Azkaban? Uh, similar reasoning. Uh, I did not limit myself to uh, one, one composer. <laughs> we will find out very shortly. Um, but uh, you've already found out. Because I would have Similarly, I, I know the moments Scully's talking about, and I really like that. But like I said before, and I'm about to shoot myself in the foot for what my uh, next pick is. But I, to me, the more impressive thing is establishing the tone of the world, um, and then when you get to the third movie, which is also very impressive, to take what you've already created and make it different. It, to me, the first thing is more impressive than the second thing, but both are equally impressive. I just didn't want two Harry Potter movies or two Lord of the Rings movies on my top ten. That is fair. I will say the Harry Potter theme once again is my favorite uh, thing that keeps recording all of them, especially in Deathly Hallows Part Two. That shit when that kicks when that kicks in, fucking great. Uh, all right, Scully, you're four. All right, my number four is Gladiator. This is probably, I'd say, in terms of like on an epic scale, this this is probably my favorite score on an epic scale. Zimmer is able to like write off with 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 the, with the start of the film. He sort of incorporates the themes you kind of see more towards the end of the movie, and then you on and then you go into the opening battle scene, which is, I mean, is like ten and a half. No, it's like eleven to twelve minutes long. Almost all battle music. It's fantastic, and then all, and then all of a sudden you dive down into into more peaceful, you know, so a, a more peaceful kind of music, and then. It, and up and down and up and down the way like the, the range of music that Zimmer is able to incorporate into this score is extraordinary uh, I, I honestly think he should have won best original score for the year 2000 I'm shocked that he didn't um, I, I especially I think the 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 song at the end during the end credits with the vocalizations kind of bring it full circle with the themes at the beginning and the themes you see again at the end um, I, I, I like it when, when scores come full circle, when the first track and the last track kind of mirror each other. This definitely does that. So Hans Zimmer's uh, Gladiator right there at my four. All right. So once again, a film I haven't seen, but I've listened to your score numerous times. Uh, I have listened to the Gladiator score through and through. I think it is a great score. Uh, I think it might be a little high. I'd probably put this towards the 10 to 7 range. Um, but knowing you and your, your love of the man Hans, uh, I can't necessarily fault you. Um, it's not a bad score. It's not like you, it's not like you walked in here and just slapped down like one of the Kung Fu Pandas or something. Like I want, I want specifically the Kung Fu Panda three score at number four. You know what I mean? I think, I think Gladiator's a fine score to use. Uh, and, uh, 
yeah, can't totally fault it, especially because I haven't seen the movie. Uh, Brooklyn, Gladiator, thoughts? Um, well, I let's first off let's take a drink because I have not seen the movie or I haven't yet. I've yet to listen to the score. Mm. Ah. That that being said, though, I was going to fault him because my biggest problem with Hans Zimmer is that he writes everything in D, uh, but he doesn't do that in Gladiator. So I will give him credit for that. And it's been the brief five seconds that I have listened. Uh, so I will uh, I will gladly check this out after. Uh, Tui, Gladiator, thoughts? Um, great score. Uh, it's very similar to another score that may be talked about later to me. Um, and to me, that other score is uh, used a little bit better. Um, so no, no fault, uh, to it. Um, even if the, the one I'm talking about came after, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it did. Um, but I think it's used a little bit better. Um, it'll make sense later. Good score. Just didn't make my top 10. Uh, Lucas, Gladiator. I don't know where Tuig is going, but it does actually sound shockingly similar to his scores for Pirates of the Caribbean. There's definitely some beat in there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I called this on the I called this on the show when I talked about Gladiator a couple weeks ago. Um, I love the Gladiator score, and the only reason it's not on my list is because I specifically wanted to pick an oddball pick for Zimmer, which is why I went with Holmes. I just didn't want to do the I wanted to do something more interesting than just the best selection per all the famous composers. But right. cannot fault it; it's an amazing score. All right, uh, we move over to you, Lucas. Your seven, three, four. All right, my seven was a yikes from earlier, and that is John Carpenter's score for Halloween. It was Brooklyn's eight, I think? Yeah. Okay. Um, probably the best horror movie score of all time. Uh, adds so much to the dread you feel while watching this movie. It really especially works in that you're watching a killer who's moving at such a slow speed but with the combination of that and the score, it becomes terrifying, and you constantly feel like the score and Michael are one, and they're both about to get you. It just ratchets up the tension at all times, and then can hit you with like a piercing shriek whenever Michael chooses to kill. It's um, a truly amazing score, and the fact that he did the score and also directed the movie is a uh, really impressive. Um, that's very rare that uh, directors will, you know, also be the person who does the score. And John Carpenter is excellent at it. Go ahead, Brooklyn. Uh, yeah. So I, I had this at number eight. Um, I don't know what it is about Halloween. Uh, cause despite only seeing like one of the movies, uh, and even not even one of the good ones, Halloween five, I'm just more and more fascinated with this franchise. Uh, and John Carpenter is definitely one of the uh, driving forces behind that. Um, I, I agree with Lucas in, in the sense that I love how the piano is, is, is rushed in a sense of like, to give you that sense of anxiety. But then what the great thing is, and I think what, what really sets, sets himself uh, aside in the horse in a horror sense is that he has he has these long egated like bass notes that are sort of swelling and swelling um in the, in the background um and it and it's not necessarily meant to scare you um but it more so makes you just it just gives you this general feeling of uh, of just being uncomfortable um and I think and I think that works for Michael Myers because he isn't necessarily like a scary person sure he kills but it's just it's just kind of like a it's almost like an inevitability as opposed to like a like a sudden sort of flash. All right, yeah. Uh, the Halloween score is good. It rips. Uh, I would say if we're talking best horror scores of all time, 
Jaws is better. Uh, I like the Jaws theme a lot more than the Halloween theme, and I think it does similar things with uh, speed and causing dread, and I think Jaws does it better. Uh, I still think Halloween is a good theme. Um, I think, again, it's, like you said, John Carpenter, directing and composing his own film is a very impressive feat. It's a very difficult feat to achieve, um, and that the fact that he's able to not only just direct an iconic movie, but make an also equally iconic score for it uh, is, in, is impressive, so I'll give you props. I think you guys have it about the same spot. If you were going to have it, it would be in the bottom three, four range. Um, I think it's a good score. Uh, I, I listen to it every now and then, uh, but I don't love it. Uh, I think there are better picks for the 10 best scores of all time uh, if you wanted to even pick horror. Uh, Scully, why no Halloween? Uh, well, it shouldn't come as a shock. Uh, me and horror... <laughs> Trying to get me want to watch a horror film was like trying to baptize a cat. It just doesn't work out for anybody. So challenge accepted. Well, <laughs> one of the horror movies I have seen is the original Halloween. I do really like the movie, and I, and I like this score a lot too. I will say, out of the maybe uh, number of horror movies I can count on on one hand, uh, it is the best score out of out of all the horror movies that I've seen. Um, but yeah, I respect the pick. I'm not going to ding you on it. Uh, yeah, good pick. Uh, Twig, when a Halloween? I was actually pretty close to, to having this one for the same reasons of like icona, iconicism and tone setting that I talked about with Jaws and like Harry Potter. Um, very similar reasons. Uh, I would uh, go go outside my house uh, every Halloween to, to trick or treat, and people who I know have never seen the movie uh, would just play the score outside their house as part of their like Halloween decoration. <laughs> and it was terrifying. And when I go to the beach, people don't play the Jaws theme. So that is why I picked <laughs> uh, over Halloween. But literally, it's teetering on like 11 and 12. So it's close. All right. Uh, Lucas, your number six. All right. My number six is Elmer Bernstein's score for the original, The Magnificent Seven. Um, love the opening track. Love the theme to this film. That fucking slaps. I also just like, it really sets the tone. It's very much Old West. It really sets you in a moment where like, you know, especially now, like this is not a, a reality that even is shown in many films. Going back to watch this, love this movie, but I think this score is a huge part about it. Every time they play the theme from this movie, you're just like, yep, there they go. It's the, the band of heroes off to do the good deed. And it's just um, really powerful hero th theme. And just like one that, um, Either in the movie, you can pull it out, and just as a standalone track, it's a fantastic theme. And um, yeah, love Elmer Bernstein's theme for the Magnificent Seven and the, the score in general. Um, the score fucking slaps. Uh, this is the uh, second best Wild West sort of theme I think you can go with. Uh, knowing where your list has been and where I think it's going, you're not going for the conventional. Uh, so this is the best non-conventional Western pick you could make. Uh, it's a very good score. I think the opening theme uh, sets the tone for this movie perfectly. Uh, it definitely just instantly sets you where you need to be uh, and just gives you your bearings, points you in the direction you're going. I've definitely listened to this while working on homework before. Uh, it just gives you that sort of boost <laughs> of just like, giddy up, let's go. Uh, it's it's a very good score. Uh, yeah, this is, I would venture to say it's Elmer Bernstein's best. Uh, so, uh, two big. Why not Magnificent Seven? Uh, just haven't seen it or heard it before. That's that's pretty much it. I believe you. Fair. Uh, Brooklyn. Uh, I've seen few horror films and fewer westerns. Fair. Scully. 
I haven't seen it. I I think I can I think I can think of the theme if I think hard enough, but I don't really want to do that. But I, 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 I but I trust Lucas, so it's not the one that's like da, 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 da. no no that's it's the other not one. That one that's that's the other one. Uh, all right, Lucas, you're number five. Okay, so let me tell you a story. When I sat down to make this list, I started looking up film scores, and I started listening to them, just trying to figure out, you know, what direction I was going to make uh, my list go. And I had forgotten about this score until I listened to it four times in a row all the way through, because it is an absolute delight. And that is Dario Marinelli's score for Paddington 2. This is just childhood joy, optimism, and enthusiasm personified. You just feel good while you're listening to the score. It doesn't have a huge theme in the same way as some of the other ones do. It's not an epic score, but it just makes you happy. You sit there and you listen to a wonderful little bear travel around the world interacting with people. And it just brings joy and happiness to your heart. And this score ties the entire film together it would be a good film without it it's a great film because the score is so great this movie is an absolute delight this movie is the better version of the grand budapest hotel uh and this score is the better version of alexander desplat's grand budapest score uh i would not put on the top 10 best scores of all time uh, I love Paddington 2 to death. I think it's a great movie. I think the score for it is good. Uh, I would never put this on the 10 best film scores of all time. Not anything against the score. It's just exactly like you said. It's not exactly memorable. Uh, it's not a score that I think really sticks out uh, in any meaningful way. Oh, it, it sticks out if you listen to it four times in a row. I mean, anything sticks out <laughs> if you listen to it four times in a row. I'm pretty sure the score for Divergent sticks out four times in a row if you listen to it that many times. Uh, but I think Pacted 2, I think Pacted 2 score is not harmful. It's not help. That, that is necessarily like elevating, but it's good. It does its job. Gary Marinelli is not a flashy composer. He doesn't make a lot of things that I think stick out uh, as being exceptional, but he gets the job done. Uh, this score does exactly that. Guess the job done. I would never put this on the top ten. Uh, Brooklyn, bang to two. Haven't seen either of them. Uh, Tuig. I hate happiness, so I have not seen them. <laughs> uh, Scully. I've seen Paddington two. Um, I don't quite remember the score, but uh, this is definitely an interesting. Pick like I, 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 I get I get the happiness bit, but again, the score just wasn't that memorable for me. Um, so I'm not completely heartless, but I'm also not completely heartful. All right, Lucas, you're number four. All right, so earlier we talked about La La Land, and basically every year that the direct, that the composer of La La Land has a score nominated, there's a much better man making a score. And that man is Nicholas Patel, who is one of probably the two best composers, up-and-coming guys working today. I chose If Bill Street Could Talk, which I think is just a staggering score in the way it plays with your emotions. This film is really um, complicated and has like a lot of changes from like moments of extreme happiness to sadness to despair to like maybe there is a hope or just maybe this is 
how life is and maybe you can't change stuff. And I think Brittell's score, which by the way, he hasn't won for either of his scores. He should have won for both of them. It's bullshit. Um, this score is brilliant. And I cannot wait to listen to 20, 30, 40 years more of Nicholas Brittell's scores as he just does composes some of the best movies of every year. You picked the correct Bertel score. If you put this on, it should be number 10. Uh, wow. And La La Land should be higher. Listen to me. No, Nicholas no. Bertel is a composer who composed two good scores. Two good scores. Moonlight, good score. If you could talk, good score. It lost to two great scores in La La yeah. Land and Black Panther. Both scores, great scores. So I don't fault him for his L's. He took very hard L's. I'm sure he's going to win sometime. But if Beale Street Could Talk is a good pick. It's the better of the two uh, more well-known ones. It's it's very lovely. Uh, it's it's very light uh, in the beginning. And it kind of starts getting a little bit... It, I, I have never seen the film. Uh, so for me, I had to go based off of the emotions I felt listening to it. And it does do that. It definitely makes you feel exactly what you felt. Uh, I think it's a well-composed theme. Very well-composed score. 10 best of all time? No. Okay. Uh, somewhere, Adelaide Spence is having an aneurysm. Nick Tuig, uh, where are you leaning? And, and, and where, where are your thoughts on the film talk? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, I haven't seen it. Uh, but uh, I it probably should have won. It, it definitely should have won over the, the one that won. In Brooklyn. What are you talking about, Coho? Oh, it definitely should have won. Incorrect. Uh, Skelly. Uh, can Nicholas Patel take his Lucas Schobach uh, mask off, please? <laughs> um, no, but seriously. Uh, like the movie. It's, it, it's, it's a great movie. Um, uh, I don't quite remember the score that much, but then again, it's been like you know two years since I've seen the movie, so if I... If I rewatch it, I'll probably notice it more, but it's been a while since I've seen the film, so can't really remember what it sounds like as much. All right. Nick Twig. Yes. Seven through four. Yeah, remember all that BS I was spouting about like liking the first one and not being able to like like one that comes after it because the first is better? Uh, so I picked The Empire Strikes Back. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. 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 All right. That's all right. Um, the one after that, which is number six, uh, is uh, Michael Giacchino's Up. Ooh. Roll your eyes all you want, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is an absolutely beautiful uh, heart-wrenching score at times, and a wonderful score at others, and the coolest part about it to me is that it's mostly the same theme. Uh, throughout the movie, just used in different tempos and different tones and different, and I know that's why Cole doesn't like it, but that's why I like it, okay? Um, <laughs> it, the, the ability to me to use the same sort of riff over and over again in different styles and different um, tempos and different keys to create different emotions throughout the movie up, uh, which is one of my favorite Pixar movies. I know that's not a shared sentiment, but to, to me, the score goes beyond just the first 10 minutes. Um, it, it helps make the first 10 minutes one of the most like heartbreaking scenes in animated movie, whatever you want to call it. Um, but then it gets, it goes after that. People seem to not understand what the point of up is like 
you know, he, he's gone through this heartbreaking moment and he feels like it's the end, but it's not the end. And the score helps him guide it, the score helps him feel that adventure again. The score helps him um, connect with, with Russell again. It helps him have those heart, uh, those tender heart to heart moments. Um, and it's used again towards the end uh, when he realizes like Ellie wants him to go on and continue living um, even though she is now gone. Uh, to me, the score is what helps to accomplish all of those things. Um, so that is why I picked it because I like it. Oh, huh? This is Chikino's third worst Pixar score. Uh, there are about five other Chikino scores I'd put above this. Uh, two of them from Pixar. Uh, I'm sorry, this man has made The Incredibles and Ratatouille, which are two far superior scores. This man has done the score for your fucking one of your favorite franchises. That's one of the best ever. Uh, like this man has made so many incredible scores, and you pick the one that he won for, which was his career win. It's the pity win. Hey, we yeah. fucked you over by not giving it to you for Ratatouille. Here's the one that you don't deserve it for. It's the Oscar bullshit award. It's not good. The score is exactly one theme repeated over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Uh, and it doesn't work. It doesn't do anything to excess it does at all. It's literally, it, again, Up should have been a short film. It should have been the first couple minutes. This score for that short film would have been great. Uh, everything after it is completely blah. This score is just whatever. Get it out of here. This just hurt your list entirely. Uh, Thomas Scully, oh. Up. Oh, I said the opposite. Wow. I did say uh, Number 32 today where Code turned into Fox News was trying to say that everybody's lying. So, <laughs> God. Uh, but I will. I will actually. is now on the trade block. Okay. I will actually support to again this one. This was this was actually quite close to making to making my list. I do like his Ratatouille and his incredible score a lot. However, I I think the up score, yes, the majority of its strengths are within those first ten minutes. However, I do like how it uses that theme all throughout the movie. Um, I don't mind the repetitiveness, and I really like how. It takes a different tone when he realizes that he should be off doing his own adventures instead of trying to chase what he couldn't have with Ellie. Um, you're about to have a stroke. I, I, I know it. Um, but yeah, I, I do really enjoy this score. Uh, ultimately, I just thought that Creed uh, and my other uh, 1098 were a little bit stronger. Giacchino made a better score in 2009 called Star Trek, and that should have won over up. Anyway, Lucas Schildbuck. I actually will say Star Trek is probably my favorite Giacchino score. Boom! Um, but I'm going to be honest. I think Giacchino is kind of overrated as a composer. I think he gets a lot of credit from people because he does really big franchises. And a lot of people watch those. So I think he gets this credit as one of the best composers. When he's really, I think in my opinion, more of a serviceable franchise composer. Maybe a little above serviceable. Like he's a good franchise composer. But I think he gets a lot of credit because everybody sees his movies. And a lot of other people get ignored because he gets to make a huge movie every year or a couple of years. Um, I'm not a fan of the upscore, to be honest. The upscore fucking sucks. All right. Uh, uh, Tui, your next one. Did Brooklyn talk about it? Am I crazy? Uh, no, Brooklyn, did you talk about up? I have not talked about up. Talk about up real quick. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, so yeah, I haven't talked about up because I am in the very heavy populated camp of up is just fine. It's good, not great. Uh, I agree with Coho and that Incredible is the better of the scores, but I actually, uh, of, of the Pixar scores, I actually considered Monsters, Inc. Uh, that would have been the one that I would have put in there, like the 20 sort of industrial revolution style, uh, but sure, up for the Oscar win. 
also fucking Finding Nemo. There's a lot of Pixar scores you could have picked. For anyone who knows me, I could not give two shits about one, what won the Oscar and what did that. All right, Mr. Tui, what's your number five? Uh, number five is, uh get serious for a moment. Uh, this is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, and it's the score of Thomas Newman for the Shawshank Redemption. Um, this score is so freaking, this movie is so freaking good, but the score really, really helps, um, really helps it become one of the greatest um, film, become the greatest film in my life. Uh, just listening to it, uh, Newman uses violins in like a really interesting way in this score and that they're really long and drawn out at times. Um, what it does to me, and I'll actually talk about this sort of same theme uh, in another movie coming up, uh, but what it does to me is it gives hope to a hopeless situation. And that is the entire reason the Shawshank Redemption exists is, is the whole thing is we are stuck in this hopeless situation. It is better for us to give up, um, to accept our fate. Um, the score reminds you that there's beauty in terrible moments. Um, just, just, just as it pans over the prison, it's a prison. It's not supposed to be a beautiful thing. It, the score makes it a beautiful thing. Um, the end. <laughs> Believe me, uh, if we were doing top ten movies, Shawshank is first by by a mile. Um, I listened to the final scene, spoilers when when they're on the beach at the end. I listened to that final piece and I started welling up because. Uh, it just reminds you of what you've gone through the entire movie. Th to me, the score is used almost perfectly um, to create those sort of uh, themes and senses of feeling, which I so sorely lack often. Okay. Uh, I have seen the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. I listened to your score specifically for you because it was quite high in positioning in relation to things I hadn't listened to. So I listened to the score. If this score came out a year later, I would have won. It's brilliant. Uh, the only problem is you're up against Hans Zimmer's magnum opus, The Lion King. So it's hard It's hard to beat The Lion King's score. Uh, but this score is very good. Uh, I agree. The use of violence in this, uh, in this entire uh, soundtrack is fantastic. Um, Thomas Newman, in my opinion, is the best composer left to win an Oscar today. Uh, he, he constantly changes what he uses for each score, movie to movie to movie. I don't think any score he's ever made sounds identical to another. Um, I don't think he ever really phones it in. Um, yeah, I think this this is up there for one of his best works. Uh, it's not my personal favorite one, but I also haven't seen the visuals that go with the score. Uh, but on a purely music listening level, good pick, and I will not fault you for having your favorite movie score in your top five. Uh, Brooklyn Vale. Uh, this is what happens whenever you don't uh, prep for the panelists. Uh, I probably should have checked out this score if I if I knew Tuig was going to be on here, but I'm a dumbass and didn't do that. So I will I will take a drink and then uh, and then listen to it after the show. Uh, Thomas Scully. Uh, yeah, this is a really good score. Uh, this was also again I haven't seen Shawshank in a while, so I haven't heard the score in a while. Um, so it's not as memorable for me, but I do agree it, it is. Mr. Newman is one of the best composers out there today. The range of movies that he's done is astounding. Uh, this is definitely one of his best works. Um, but again, I'll need to revisit Shawshank before I get like a complete opinion on on, uh, on uh, how the score is. Lucas Schildbach, you said something very controversial in the chat. Care to elaborate? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> oh, I was just trolling Cody. Um, okay, I was gonna say, Cody, where are you at? He said, I don't, know, I, I don't actually, I don't love the Lion King. If we're really honest, I also. Cody, where are you? 
I also, I'm be honest, I have not, I'm like Scully in that I haven't seen Sean Shake in a while. And I wasn't in love with it the first time, so I haven't revisited it. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't really remember the score that well. So I will refrain from saying anything here because I don't think my opinion is valid after such a long time. I will agree with you though. 1917 is a great score. The only reason it didn't win is once again, it was up against Joker, which is a fantastic score. All right. Joker should take Joker, take gasoline, take a flamethrower, destroy it all. (laughs) Listen, listen. I just want to make sure it's really dead. Listen, nothing gives me more joy than the two Oscar pools back to back for me and Cody trolled them on Bohemian Rhapsody and then trolled them on Joker every time those two films won. Yeah, All but I still won the Oscar pool, so it's fine. Well, you know what? I don't really care. I won in the end. I missed two picks. Robbie won. Robbie won. All right. All right. Uh, Tua, you're number four. Yes. Um, people have been spoiling my list. Um, and I've heard recently that this may have been uh, the incorrect one, according to someone. But uh, I picked Pirates of the Caribbean with Crazy Black. Uh, yikes. Oh, All right, look at that. You're done for a while. Run the mail. All right. So this is, where, this is where my list starts to get a little bit weird. Uh, but we're going to go with the basic bitch pick, basic bitch pick at number seven. Uh, and that's the pick Panther. Uh, so yeah, uh, Henry Mancini, uh, everybody's like, well, you know, it's a theme. Uh, but the fun thing is, is that you don't really hear alto sax, or, or so I guess it'd be tenor sax, uh, for the rest, for the rest of the score. Um, it, it's essentially a full on, uh, jazz ensemble, uh, with some strings and I believe even an accordion as well. It sort of has that French sort of like cafe sort, sort, sort of vibe. And it's just great. It's just great to listen to um, people like Walter Murphy. Obviously, I think get a lot of inspiration from scores like this. Walter Murphy, obviously, person uh, doing uh, great scores for the, for shows like Family Guy and uh, and the Ted movies. Um, but but yeah, uh, for the, in terms of like the rhythm section, it's literally just a double bass and a drum kit. There's no like there's no tubas, there's no trombones, no baritones. Um, there's like there's like some cellos as well, but it's literally just those two holding the thing from start from start to finish. And that opening theme, it's just it's just the tenor sax, the drum kit, um, and and the double bass, and then it's just and then they they stay in there, and then everything else gets sort of mixed in throughout it. Sometimes they go for that more like Frank Sinatra sort of like like the like all the horns hit the big note dip for a bit and then come back up uh, but then they also have like the the these nice like alto sax solos that's kind of sound that have this accordion sound um, which fits for the overall scope of Pink Panther. If you were to ask me what my favorite singular theme of all time is this is in contention. I think the Pink Panther theme itself is one of the best composed themes for a film ever. Um, Henry Mancini is one of the best classical uh, film composers that you can go to. I think his filmography is littered with some of the best scores uh, that are quote-unquote unconventional picks. But I think he best picked the best one. The Pink Panther score, I think, is his best work uh, start to finish. I think it's his most weird work. It doesn't sound like any of his others. It stands very much alone uh, because it's very based in what 60s music was at the time. It's a very big band. It's very swing. Um, and I think that helps uh, bring this sleuth, mysterious atmosphere to the film. Uh, I think it's an absolutely phenomenal pick. Uh, I'd even put it maybe a little bit higher. Maybe a little bit higher than this, but uh, great choice. Great choice, Brooklyn. Uh, right now, you might be winning. Uh, Scully. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I've heard the theme to this a lot. 
Uh, if I were to break into a house uh, at night, this would be the one theme I would listen to while breaking into said house. Not much um, possible. What are you doing? No, no, because this is this is this is some smooth jazz. Like if I, if I listen to Mission Impossible, I'm gonna want to like sprint through a brick wall and break some windows. No, this is this is this is nice light a light theme. I've listened to any other part of the score except the theme, uh, but the theme's really good. So can't fault you on that. But I don't know how the rest of the score goes. Tuick Nicholas J. Pink Panther. Uh, similarly, uh, never seen the movie, but I know like w- when you know the like main theme without having seen the movie, that's impressive to me. Um, it's it's one I played back in like middle school or whatever. Um, and, and yeah, no, I like the theme a lot. But like Scully, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know what the rest of the score has to offer. I love jazz. Jazz is one of my favorites that we'll get to. But um, yeah, I don't know enough about it. All right, uh, no law land on your list, so that's wild. Okay, uh, Lucas. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I have not, just not familiar with it. Uh, I think I've heard the theme a couple times, but nothing else from it. If you love if you love jazz, I would highly recommend checking it out. All right, Brooklyn, you're number six. All right, six uh, is another another kind of basic bits pick, but I won't be surprised if this gets yiked. Yikes! Uh, it is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh wow! Is that the one I sang before and didn't know what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You all may um, be on trial. Okay, so was not expecting this. Uh, yeah, so this is it's. I'm not necessarily impressed with Ennio Morricone. Um, I definitely understand why people like Pollyama don't really like, don't really appreciate him as much. He kind of this theme kind of get kind of gets used more than I more than I anticipated, but it's still a damn good theme. And why this and why this gets the number six spot is really just because of what he gets out of his what what he gets out of, out of the orchestra itself. Um, they do some really cool te- technical things. Um, when you go into like the main title, there's this back and forth of, of trumpets, um, and they play these very sharp articulate. I think it's like it's like eighth or sixteenths, which is very technically technically impressive. And just the fact that he was able to get that get that get that out of it and really sort of go for that for that for that risk for that risk essentially because that can be that can be done kind of sloppily. Um, and then the other part that I go to um, is the desert. Um, in terms of this, kind of the same thing where you have these these strings uh, that are that are sort of this low lying low lying undertone, um, and it's again it's these I think it's like thirty seconds or sixty fourths, but they're again they're like super they're they're super quick notes, but they're played at such a, at such a low um, they're played at such a low tempo. I think it's like mezzo piano, um, and that's and that and again that's another hard technical thing because when you play fast. The, your your instinct is to play loud, so to have that control, um, and I think it's also again like this is kind of the score that I think a lot of westerns are, are, are based off of. Again, it's that it's that sort of that sort of tension, uh, and it's that build. Um, and the last thing that I'll say in that theme, that tension starts much earlier than everybody thinks it does. If you actually if you listen to it, it's like thirty seconds in, you start to hear that drum beat kick in, and it just builds and builds and builds, and it isn't as sudden uh, as I once remembered. Um. All right. Well. Uh. Y'all. Uh. No. No. We're we're still going. Okay. Uh. Good. The bad. And the ugly is the correct Western pick. That is a fantastic score. Uh. Ev- like you said, every Western tries to be what Ennio Morricone does. Um. To the point where Ennio Morricone, for the rest of his career, kind of chased this. Uh. To say he's a bad composer is insane. This man's 
filmography and body of work is fantastic uh, through and through. I think most of his stuff is actually kind of underrated, but I think everything post this, you can you can get a little saney. Um, but I will say his last score, The Hitler, is also uh, very good. Uh, but um, great choice in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I think that is the best thing he's made in his career, his magnum opus. Uh, I would take good the, bad, bad, good, the Bad, and The Ugly over The Magnificent Seven, but they are also very, very different scores going for very, very different things. Uh, Lucas Schobach, why no Good, The Bad, Glove? Um, I remember so, one. Weren't you? Uh, were we the bad? I don't remember what we were. I don't remember either. I don't want to watch that video. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this Morricone did not get close to my list. Another Morricone did. I almost had the mission on here because I love that score. I'll be honest. I've never seen The Good, The Bag, and The Ugly. It's one of these classic films that are it's like there's a couple big ones that are sitting up there that I haven't seen and I should see. Uh, this is one of them. I have, of course, heard the score. I did not think it was fair to put on my list if I've only heard part of it and not the entire thing. wanted to, you know, do a complete research, for lack of a better term, before I would include something on my list. Fair. Uh, to it, good, the bad, the ugly. Um, obviously, I know it. I uh, didn't know where <laughs> what it belonged to. Uh, so that says something about how much of an impact it's made. But similarly, I've never seen the movie. I don't know what else it has to offer other than it being like the most iconic Western, at least line of all time. Fair. Uh, Scully. Yeah, just same reason as um, as Lucas. I, I've only heard the theme. I haven't heard the, the full score. I've seen seen parts of the movie. Love, love the parts I've seen, but... Again, I'm not going to put a score on my list that I've only heard the theme to, and I, I don't just hear a theme like, oh, that's one of the best t uh, 10 scores of all time. i got to put it on there. Like, I'm sure it's great, but I want to do my research first before I, like, throw it out there as my as in my top 10. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Brooklyn, you're hitting out of the park so far with these two. Where are we going next? All right. This is where we, uh, where we hit a foul ball into right field. We're going with Ponyo. Oh. Uh, yeah, so uh, first first animated one on the list, uh, and for and first Studio Ghibli one. Uh, for those of you not in Lucas Chat, I've been doing a big Studio Ghibli uh, marathon, uh, and I fucking love Ponyo more than uh, than most do. Um, it, I think it's one of the best family films, um, and the score I think is one of the one of the good one of the reasons for that. Um, if you like uh, if you like shit that John Williams and Danny Elfman is, are doing. Uh, then you will like. Then you will like this. It kind of has that grand sort of, grand sort of sense, uh, and it's very like crafted towards like a Spielbergian esque sort of sort of, sort of sort of way. Um, there's a motif in here that has this back and forth of strings, and then you have this. Uh, then you have this auxiliary brass, which I would consider like your French horns and like your trombones as well. But they're sort of filling in the beats that the strings don't hit, and that is technically great in the sense of like when you're sitting in an orchestra you're off like a lot of times whenever you come in it's based off of musical cues and there's so many different tempos happening in those sections whereas like as an as an individual musician you have to count your you have to count yourself in order in order for it to not get lost and for everything to sort of work out um as balanced as the as the composer did uh joe Hisashi, joe hisashi uh who also did scores uh for Ponyo and porco rosa porco rosa probably being my next favorite of the two um but there was one scene in particular that i wanted to talk about um and it's and it's the scene where they're driving through the storm and it's her riding on riding on the, on the sea of fish and there's this is there's this succession of notes 
where it has the horns and it will start on, it'll go to, to a minor note, uh, and then it will lift on, it'll lift up to a major note at the end, at the end of the riff. And I love that because it's essentially detailing um, what's happening in the scene the entire time. Obviously, the mother is driving, mother is dri driving the kid. She's frantic. She might not get it home in time. But then you look over and you see like this this amazing thing of a of a of a kid riding on. But I think the song is literally called "Ponyo Rides a Sea of a Sea of Fish." Um, and I just just think it does a really good job. It captures it captures captures the whims, whimsicalness and the charm. I think that all kids love, and I think there's something here for adults as well. I've seen a handful of films produced by Studio Ghibli because of fandom fights. This was one of the few that I have seen. I couldn't tell you what the fuck this score is. Um, if there was one of the Ghibli scores I could see going on here, it's The Wind Rises. I think The Wind Rises has a really great score, but... Ponyo is a very inspired pick. Um, gotta be honest, with you, that's a miss. That's a miss. That that has no business being on the top ten film scores of all time. I think uh, there's a lot of other scores from family films included that you have not brought up yet that are better fits for this list than that. So uh, no pass with foul ball, as you say, uh, Nick Tuig. This one has a fish, right? Yep. Yeah, the main character is like a fish. Oh, really annoying. Oh, it's, not. it's a wonderful film. Oh, okay, cool. She's I never seen. Sorry. <laughs> it's Bill Max. Scully. All I know is that this is a Ghibli film. I haven't seen a lot of Ghibli. Haven't seen this one. No. Just no. Lucas, go for it. Okay, I've seen every single Ghibli film. And I actually do really like this composer. The one that I almost fell in love with the other night was Howl's Moving Castle, which I don't think that score is pretty amazing. Um, I'll be honest, I did not think a lot about a lot of Ghibli scores. I don't hate the Ponyo pick. It's probably not my favorite one, but it's definitely a good score. I think, actually, the scores for basically all of them is good. Although, I do agree. The Wind Rises, that's a that's a really good score. Yeah. A really good score. And probably the second best Ghibli film. So I would say best, but I've also only seen it five. Uh, HBO Max, people, you can watch them all now. Or Netflix in Canada. Uh, all right. We'll move on to your four, Brooklyn. Can you redeem yourself, Antonio? Uh, I believe that I can. This is actually a yikes from earlier. Uh, and I believe my highest ranked John Williams score, and it is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, that was my number seven. So what I'm about to say, not a lot, not a lot of you are going to like. Uh, John Williams kind of does the same thing in a lot of movies, especially these bigger action ones. Um, they're kind of built around the same premise. They just kind of have different flares. Looking at Jurassic Park in particular, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, and uh, franchise that we will not speak of. Um, but yeah, uh, this is probably the best of the of of the bunch. Uh, he explores different. He explores different keys. Uh, it's very fresh, and I, because he's another, he's another um, perpetrator of that. He likes to be. He li he likes B flat, uh, which is considered like concert, I guess, for uh, for or for orchestra band. Um, but yeah, it just it has that. And again, it has that chase. It has that adventure. But it also it also um, keeps in mind the underlying tone of what Indiana Jones is, uh, and it keeps that sort of 
sharp bass sound that you would get from like a neo noir or like a, a, a movie set from night from 1930s. So I think it's conscious of of what's happening happening in the movie, and I love that there that there's that attention to detail that you really I don't think that you get in other John Williams scores of this of this like epicness. Go ahead, Scully. Yeah, I had this at my seven. Uh, uh, one of my favorite John Williams uh, scores. Um, of course, the the Raiders theme is great. The love theme um, with Indian Marion is also really good. However, kind of like what Brooklyn said, it, uh, it, it is kind of similar, I will say, to the Leia theme from A New Hope, uh, but that's neither here nor there. It's still great. Um, and er everything about this score, it's fun. It, it's adventurous. You get your blood pumping during uh, uh, during his music, during the uh, the truck chase scene. That that's a scene that he that he does. Uh, oh, he, he, you can tell he put a lot of work into that, um, and I I really uh, appreciated that. And of course, you know, like I said, the theme is one of the most iconic themes of all time. It's one of the few where I think the theme could carry the entire film, but it doesn't. And I respect Williams for creating other themes, like uh, like again the love theme with with with, with Indian Marion. Um, I respect him for for incorporating more music in there when it's not just the main. Uh, theme. Brooklyn, you dinged yourself, man. You dinged yourself, man. You dinged yourself when you said he just makes the same score over and over. Raiders of the Lost Ark is fucking perfection. Uh, this film is a great film with a great score. Uh, when you think about the spirit of adventure, this is probably the soundtrack to it. Um, John Williams and all of his scores. Uh, most of his movies just have that. They have the very, they capture the very essence of what that film's about in a very perfect musical piece. I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is maybe one of the best attempts that he has at it. Um, I will say my favorite John Williams piece is the Superman theme, but again, that was not eligible for anyone's lists. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, he, he went on a pretty big run there uh, from 75 to uh, today. Um, so pretty, uh, pretty great, uh, pretty great career he's had. Uh, this is a fantastic piece all the way through. I think the Indiana Jones theme is one of the greatest musical scores ever made. Uh, but Raiders of the Lost Ark score through and through is fantastic. Um, though I do really like the Last Crusade score. We'll say the the themes he creates uh, for Indy and his father uh, and their dynamic uh, throughout. I think also uh, work really well. But Raiders of the Lost Ark, better film, better score. Uh, Lucas, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Why don't you have it? Um, it, it's, uh, you start kicking yourself and Williams is probably the direct composer you do this most with when you decide that you're going to have one per composer on your list. And Williams is probably the one that suffers the most because you could legitimately make a valid top 10 of only Williams scores. And, uh, yeah, great score. It just wasn't the one I wanted to talk about. Derek, where's the last arc? Uh, similarly, great, fantastic score. Um, it's along with Halloween, along with um, Rocky, along with Back to the Future, were all sort of teetering around. I like that two spots. Uh, they just wound up going to other films, but but yeah, um, no no complaints uh, with Raiders. It's iconic. All right, we are into top threes. Thomas Scully, what is your number three film score of all time? If you've ever had a conversation with me in this community, you've ever asked me, "Hey, what's a movie that I probably haven't seen that I should see?" This movie has definitely come up in the conversation. My number three is The Last Samurai. Also by Hans Zimmer. This is probably my favorite film score of all time. I, I don't say it's best because the two I have above it I think are, are objectively better. But this is my favorite score of all time to, to listen to. 
this Hans Zimmer takes you on a journey. Like you, 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 you could pinpoint the trajectory of the film through the music, and I love that. For those of you who don't know uh, what The Last Samurai is about, is essentially about a Civil War vet who goes to Japan to train the Japanese army. He's captured by samurai, and then he slowly integrates himself into their society becomes and, and essentially becomes one of them. Um, the themes that, that Zimmer creates start right right at the beginning um, with, with, with the track uh, A Way of Life. He he gets his he he gets his main peaceful theme going, and then you, you can carry it out throughout the entire film. Uh, one really uh, pivotal scene is with the two main characters in a, in a in a garden, and you hear that theme pop up again, and and you can sort of pinpoint or maybe predict when each uh, theme in this movie is going to come up. Um, the, the 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 battle scenes contain uh, some of his best music in this film. Um, and then the and then the very end with like the, the the final monologue the the music from the beginning his main theme pops back up and again it's like I said before I love film scores that can come full circle this one really does come full circle it it tells you an entire story about Nathan Algren it it gives you the highs it gives you the low great tragedy that comes at the very end um, and it, it it brings me to tears almost every time I finish listening to the soundtrack so. This is for, this is very much a personal pick uh, for me. I, I I've listened to this nonstop for like five years now. Uh, this is an absolutely beautiful score. I'm scared. What a boring fucking pick. Um, this this score is completely okay. I'm be honest. This score is totally okay. Uh, in the Hans Zimmer canon, not top fifteen. Um. This man makes a lot of scores that are varying degrees of quality. Of what you could pick, not the right one. Uh, not top three film scores of all time. No, sirree, sir. That's not the best Hans Zimmer score. And you have it this high. Uh, bad pick. I will say bad pick. Not a top ten film score of all time. Not a top ten Hans Zimmer score of all time. Good day, sir. Uh, Brooklyn Vale. Um, yeah, kind of uh, unintentionally had the same rule as Lucas, where uh, you know had a, only could have one uh, one tracking, I guess, for each each composer. Haven't checked out the Last Samurai. Haven't had a reason to. Um, but you know, I tend to disagree with Coho a lot. So Scully, I'll I'll, ch I'll check it out for your sake. To make Nicholas J. Um, I completely disagree with Coho. Um, I think you're an insane person. <laughs> I've never seen it. Sorry. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> sorry. Look at Showbox. I actually will say, I do agree with Cole, and I have seen the film. Um, I actually liked the score. I was re listening to parts of this as I was making my list. It was one of the ones that I thought about and just decided to go a different way with Zimmer. But yeah, it's a really good score. I do really like this stuff um, with uh, all the scenes where the two of them are like kind of training, learning about like the samurai culture. I think that's actually some really, really powerful music there. Finally, a man of taste. <laughs> All right, Mr. Schnellbach, you're number three. All right, let's talk about the mind of a warped, twisted, narcissistic genius. That, of course, Reynolds Woodcock. And the only man who could write a score for Reynolds Woodcock is Johnny Greenwood. Now, legitimately, I could have had three different Greenwood scores on here because I think Greenwood scores are insane and crazy and all over the place and just brilliant and co-host currently throwing up in a bucket. Um, 
I love the score. I think it just takes over the entire movie and just fills it with an ambiance and this weirdness as you go down um, a path with just characters that are bizarre and weird, but also kind of brilliant and fascinating. And um, I never thought a movie about fashion in London was going to be something that I absolutely adored, but the score is such a huge part of why this movie succeeds, along with the fact that it has, like, you know, one of the greatest directors and several of the greatest actors. Um, I, you can go to hell. La La Land boy. Um, Johnny Greenwood's score for Phantom Thread is amazing. I'm sure Koho is about to say a bunch of fake news about how it's not great, but um, he's wrong. Go ahead, Cole. You picked the third best score of the year 2017. Did I really? This score is forgettable. Yikes. It's good. It does its job. It does its job Yikes. and it's fine, but it's so forgettable. What What are the two better ones? The Shape of Fucking Water is the best oh, score of 2017. It's okay. Alexander okay. Desplat's best score ever, The Shape of Water, <laughs> as well good. as the best score since The Empire Strikes Back, The Last Jedi. But Yikes! There, yikes! I love that movie, and I'm still. I stand by it. The theme for the last year is great. Phantom Thread is totally okay. I would have been totally fine with you sliding this in in the bottom three spot, maybe number seven. <laughs> I, I would excuse it, but you picked such an okay score. You know what? I'll be honest. Last Samurai is a better score than this. Thank you. I don't even like the Last Samurai. Scully Redemption. <laughs> this man just picked the worst score than you. You're welcome, oh, Scully. Jesus. <laughs> Phantom Thread is such a bad movie. It's such a bad movie. PTA has, PTA has directed two movies that aren't the most incompetent pieces of shit I've ever seen, and they are Boogie Nights and The Master. So, I hope you end up in a wood chip. <laughs> There's a reason Cody Newberry isn't here tonight. He might be in one. All right, next to it. I swear to God, on my honor, on my life, I am not kidding. I have seen this movie. Wow. Yes, it's true. Um, really did not care for it. You um, can also go to hell. Sorry. Um, Cody will like you a lot, though. Don't really remember much of the score. Um, but if it created the ambiance and things you are talking about, I did not like those things. <laughs> so that leads me to believe that maybe it was not so great. But, you know, that that's... That's where I stand. You're right, Twig. Johnny Greenwood is a piece of shit. Brooklyn, Phantom Threat. Uh, actually, Luke is getting upgraded to the Fireball. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah, no, Phantom Threat and Johnny Greenwood? No, you get upgraded. Thomas, go. If, look, if you had told me that there was a score out there by someone named Johnny Greenwood, I would have thought it, it would be in the same tone and melody as The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Um, but I, I, I don't know who Johnny Greenwood is. Uh, I've never seen Phantom Thread. Uh, to be honest, it's not definitely not my kind of movie. Um, so odds are I'm never going to check it out. Um, but thank you, Lucas, for giving me redemption. You're welcome. All right. Johnny Greenwood is in a Harry Potter movie. Why are you people shitting on this? I, I, I didn't say anything about the man personally. All right. Well, Gully <laughs> was throwing. Jogi number three, he's a piece of shit. Uh, my number three, uh, like I said, man, everyone's been spoiling my list. Uh, number three, uh, Brooklyn is Monsters, Inc. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, so, real quick, uh, let's backtrack on, on the up real fast. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I like uh, The Incredibles and um, Ratatouille quite a bit. I think you're kind of comparing apples to oranges when you're doing Up versus those two, which is just the last thing I wanted to say about that. Not the thing. Uh, I have a tattoo on my arm. It says jazz. It's got sax punk. So I literally grew up. My grandfather play, played um, in the Shriners Hospital Jazz Band for as long as I lived, and I picked up saxophone um, shortly after um, I was able to. Um, my arms became big enough to hold the thing. Um, this is one of the coolest, most toe-tapping, um, awesome scores uh, ever. I was actually sort of tied between, uh, like, torn between this and Monsters University, which I was shocked about. Because, um, like, when you're talking about top ten of all time, like, Monsters University doesn't really normally enter the conversation. But but the 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 main theme, um, how they incorporate um, wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you. I don't think that's the name of the song. Maybe it is. I can't remember. Off the, top the way they incorporate that into the score. Um, big fan. Love this theme for the reason Brooklyn said. Like, oh, I think Monsters Inc is better. In my head, I was like, <laughs> me too. But yeah. All right. I'm not gonna redeem you for up. This doesn't redeem you for up. Oh, that's fair. Whatever. But it doesn't hurt your list because this is a fantastic score. Um when I go through the top three Pixar scores, this is in there, it's fantastic. I think it totally sets the tone of this movie. It creates this entire world that that bustling so I love it. Um I will always remember the first time I watched the movie. Um, I think all the way through, it just it, it exemplifies the relationship between these two characters in Mike and Sully. It helps build their world through the music, and it helps uh, develop their relationship through it through all the way throughout these movies. Um, yeah, great pick. Honestly, I'm not mad that's in your top three. I can I can I think that's a good top three score. Uh, if we're going for the best animated score of all time, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best animated score of all time, but I'm not I'm not mad that you picked it. Uh, Thomas Kelly. Yeah, this is a great score. This is probably probably Newman's best Pixar score, if I'm being honest. Uh, like the the toe tapping, smooth jazz stuff is 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 great. Um, not one I would like re-listen to, you know, daily. But is something every time I watch the movie, I look forward to hearing. Like I I, I look forward to hearing Newman's score every time I, I I watch the movie. It's one of the best parts of the movie, and it's like a fantastic movie. Um, so, so yeah, you know, uh, this is a great pick. Uh, Lucas. Um, hmm. I'll be honest. I don't remember the score very much. So I'm going to take some time to shit on Coho. Um, cause that's good. I'm, I'm sorry, Coho. I did not pick the 20 movies from the 21st century you've seen. Um, I get it. It's hard being the fandom showrunner because you only watch those movies and listen to those scores. So I get it. My list would not, um, you know, lend itself to your taste. Just like to apologize in person. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you you picked a good movie, Magnificent Seven. Just took a dump on it by picking that asshole John Greenwood who scored the third best score of 2017, and that's being generous. Uh, Brooklyn, do you talk about? Uh, um, yeah, so uh, five years ago, this might have been in the top three. Uh, I just happened to see, uh, in particular, a couple other animated films that have uh, that have better scores, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say the same things that I said last time. It's a great sort of like indun- industrial sort of 
uh, 20s sort of swing. Um, and I guess the question that I have for Tuig uh, is what kind of saxophone did you play? Um, I started off on the alto, then moved to Barry. Um, then Barry. I played soprano and tenor in college. Barry's so nice. But, yeah, uh, that's all I'll say. There's an amazing baritone sax solo in the score for Monsters University. It's cool. one of the greatest things. Nice. Well, you didn't pick Monsters University. You picked Monsters Inc. All right. Welcome, Vale. You're number three. All right. So uh, this is actually a, a slight yikes from earlier. Uh, it is Curse of the Black Pearl. So uh, it is this one and Raiders of the Lost Ark are the two that we played in band in high school. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark being part of a compilation of Jurassic Park and, uh, and a movie that I imagine is going to get mentioned later. Um, but yeah, uh, Curse of the Black Pearl is what... If you've, if you've heard me on Jam Session the last few times, you will know that how you will know of my fascination with six eight, um, in terms of like how cool it is. And I mean, six eight with pirates is sort of like a match made a match made in heaven. It has that swingy, very sort of sea shanty thing. Why it ranks this high is because Close Padelt really loves uh, low brass. Um, he, he uses low brass in a way of it. It's sort of it's it's acts as the tempo. Um, and it's sort of like the the sort of the walls and how it and how it bounces in particular that main theme of do 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 like you hear the low brass on essentially one like one one two three four five six so on beats one and four um, you hear these like big sort of I think it's called like a schwarzando where you start off really loud but then you dip but then you dip down and it's just like all right then we go back and forth and back and forth and it's just it's cool to count it in like it's cool to count it in time like one two three four five six of that go with go with the beat it's just it's super it's super fun to play um and it does all the great things for low brass um so yeah it's definitely higher than it probably should be go ahead there. oh right yeah uh, i had this before yep. um uh, on top of what Brooklyn has, has already mentioned, um, when I was a kid, um, sort of like preteen, just becoming a teenager era, whenever I wanted to feel like what I was doing should be more epic, I would play this uh, score in my head. Um, so, like, I literally, you know what, like, a slack line is? They had a slack line contest at the beach to see who could, like, get across it. And I was literally walking across it just humming the Pirates of the Caribbean score. Um, <laughs> it, it fits so well in, in ways I talked about with Harry Potter and Halloween and things like that. It fits so well to the tone of the movie, to the world um, of the movie. It creates that swashbuckling adventure feel um, better than better than any other in terms of swashbuckling adventure. Um, I, I think the Pirates score is iconic. All right, so the film Stop Me is going to come out. I think the Dead Man's Chest score is better. Okay. I think a lot of the things you're talking about come into play better in Dead Man's Chest. I think uh, Jack's theme is enhanced by Hans Zimmer doing the orchestrations working on it, but you also get David Jones's theme, which I think is maybe the most beautiful villain theme ever. It's up there. Uh, it's it's up there. Top three villain themes for me is just that uh, that beautiful uh, high-pitched uh, uh, music box sound. Um, on the whole, Dead Man's Chest score is more appealing to me. I think it adds more and does more, but I will never fault the original. I think the original is one of the best film scores of all time. This uh, piece is perfect. There's not a track in this score that I think is misplaced. Not a note written wrong. I think it's done perfectly. Klaus Spinell did a great job orchestrating it. Uh, the theme 
uh, is still Hans Zimmer's. Uh, we'll point that out uh, every chance I get. But Klaus Spinelt, uh definitely made a fantastic film score, uh, and it's perfect. Of course, Black Pearl's a perfect score. Uh, that was only enhanced by both sequels. Uh, Thomas Scully, Pirates of the Caribbean, why not on your list? Uh, I debated about having this on there. If I wasn't putting on there, it would be uh, Dead Man's Chest. It's just I felt I had... Ten other scores that I that I personally enjoy more, but um, this this is also a great score. I, I you know, if I'm being honest, this is my third favorite of the first three Pirates in terms of score. I like World's End maybe a little bit better just because you know of the enhanced themes they introduce in uh, in that movie, the stuff in Singapore and things like that. Um, but again, this score is 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 fantastic. You know, all three of the first uh, Pirates films are all great scores, so. Yeah, major props to you for uh, having this. But the last fucking samurai. All right, uh, Lucas Robach, Obviously, you don't like fun things. You put Phantom Thread at three. Why no pirates? Um, so I would agree that the second one I think is slightly better. I did not put this on list for one reason and one reason alone. I was not putting a pirates movie on my list while Coho was hosting. Lucas your list sucks. All right. Thank you, sir. We are uh, going to move on uh, to number twos with Thomas Scully. All right. My number two was the X Familiar. It's the Empire Strikes Back. Um, I did it for a while because I, I wanted to do just one Star Wars movie in my list. I wanted to do, to do one per franchise. I didn't want to do multiple from multiple franchises. Um, I ultimately chose this one over New Hope because – Frankly, I enjoy listening to Empire uh, more than uh, A New Hope. I, I, I think the Imperial March, one of the greatest, if not the greatest theme of all time, um, just so dark and foreboding of what's to come. And the way Williams balances that with Yoda's theme throughout the course of, of the middle part of that film, because in the film we go back and forth between, between Dagobah and the Falcon being chased by the Empire, and you have the two, you have the, the Imperial theme playing with, with the Falcon, and then you have Yoda's theme playing all throughout Luke's training and when, and when he meets Yoda and when he has to leave Yoda. Um, and, and then the, and then the new kind of rebel theme you and I really enjoy that a lot. And I know there are a lot of more, there are a lot more themes in a new hope. Personally, I just really enjoy listening to empire more. The Imperial March just, it gives me chills every single time. I don't think there's a bad track on empire strikes back. I think every track offers something new to the star wars experience um so yeah i i personally enjoy empire uh, more than any other star wars soundtrack so this slots in at, at number two go ahead uh Tui. yeah this was my seven yeah, yeah seven um so si similar things to what i've said in terms of tone building and tone setting in terms of world building um i think the music of star wars um in general um is a huge part of why it's it's still around today um, Empire is also my favorite. This is this is my sort of one exception to the rule where, um, to me, it's more impressive to create the score than it is to improve upon it. Um, this is the one exception because it adds things like the Imperial March, the uh, um, Yoda's theme. It adds uh, the moments between Han and Leia. The score that's playing that's playing there is really um, really helps build those moments as well. There's not much more than Scully. Uh, not much more than what Scully said, other than the, that, like as a person who has played. In pet bands, um, I know the Imperial March. All right, so uh, I had gone on record many, many times saying that I'm not as high on the Empire Strikes Back as everyone else. It's my least favorite of the original three. 
Um, I think the original Star Wars remains my favorite score. The Empire Strikes Back is the second best score in the Star Wars franchise. Um, and it's excellent. Uh, I think what John Williams adds in the second one does improve upon what's done in the first one. Uh, it makes a lot of great additions. I don't think there is actually many films in the Star Wars franchise that do what The Empire Strikes Back does. Um, I think there are a couple films in the Star Wars where John Williams is able to add another piece that I think is great. Phantom Menace, he adds Duel of the Fates, which is great. Uh, he adds a couple good ones in Revenge of the Sith and Force Awakens and uh, Last Jedi. I think all have great things to add. Um, but I think the uh, Imperial March and Han and Leia's theme and Yoda's theme are the three biggest additions that one film ever adds. Um, it's a fantastic score, uh, and I cannot follow you for it. I think that is a great pick, and you have correctly chosen uh, a Star Wars score to go into the top three. Uh, and on your top ten, still a good placement to make. Uh, Brooklyn, why the fuck is there no Star Wars on your list, sir? Um, there's there's a brand uh, to hold up, good sir. Um, and I almost broke I almost broke brand for this list. Um, there is, uh, there is an alternate universe, uh, where a new hope is number one on my list. Um, but, uh, there's just too much Star Wars on lists. Um, and you know, we just gotta, we gotta, we gotta minimize, gotta minimize the, uh, the, the obsession. Lucas Schildbach. I mean, this is just, I think I've said this three or four times during this, uh, when you choose to only put one John Liam score on. Uh, you're going to have to spend a lot of time saying that as the list goes on. Obviously, great score. I just uh, had a more personal pick that I wanted to go with. Okay. You better pick a good one for your personal pick then. Uh, <laughs> what's your number two? All right. My number two is uh, Nino Rota's score for The Godfather Part Two. Um, a lot of people might ask, why didn't you pick the original? I actually think the original is obviously an amazing score, but I think that the second one really adds in the added components of Vito's youth. The, those scores are really good while keeping the traditional Godfather stuff you've seen in the first movie. Um, the Godfather theme is one of the most recognizable. I think it's one of those those themes that you don't have to have seen the movie to recognize it. It's just kind of a thing we've all heard. Um, I love the ambiance that this kind of creates. It's just this really... I guess the term I would use is rich. His score is really rich and like complex. And it really just pulls you along with it as you take this journey in the two different timelines with these families and the idea of kind of honor and like choices are really tied into the notes in his score. I think it's just brilliance. Um, you did definitely pick the better of the two Godfathers first. We'll say that because I, uh, the first one is plagiarist is plagiarist. Uh, um, hence it's disqualification. Uh, but I think, uh, the, when I listen to part two, I've never actually seen part two, uh, but I've listened through part two. Uh, and I think the score is great. Um, I think the, the Godfather theme itself, uh, sets the perfect tone for the Corleone family through and through of this being this very, um, I guess sort of regal family. Uh, they are very much the people in control, uh, but they don't want you to know it. It's not loud, it's not brash, it's very quiet, but it's still very firm. It says everything you need to know about the family and those characters. Uh, I think that theme is fantastic. And uh, The Godfather Part Two theme through and through, like you said, just helps create the atmosphere uh, and the different timelines. Uh, every time I listen to a piece, I, without having seen it, went, yeah, this is probably in the De Niro and this is probably in the Pacino. Uh, and I'm going to guess that I'm right. Uh, but it was very good score. Uh, 
Top three, a little high. I'd say it's a little high, but top ten, absolutely. Um, Nick Tuig, Godfather Part Two. Uh, I feel like I know the theme, um, the main theme. Just haven't seen the movie in a very long time, uh, so I can't really remember it. But right. I'm great. Uh, Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, so I ha- almost had the opportunity to watch Godfather Part 1 and Part 2 back-to-back on the same day, uh, but I decided supper was more important in between Godfather Part 1 and 2. Um, if there was a cliche in the 70s that I would equate to like that same tone of synth that you get in every late 80s, early 90s score, it is the single solo trumpet in 70s like crime films, um, and Godfather is uh is one of the worst users of of, of that um it's kind i just i'm not a massive trumpet person i think i was always just jealous because they had like the melodies and the really cool parts so every time i hear that one like one solo trumpet that's usually playing an octave above where it normally should um it's just it's kind of like it's kind of screechy and like irritating in a way but i get why people uh lean towards those kinds of scores thomas scully yeah, like that. I haven't seen this movie in a while, um, so the score I'm not too like. I, I know the theme, but the overall score I'm not too familiar with. The Godfather films are films that I watch like five to ten minutes of when like there's a commercial break in a baseball game or something, and I need something to watch so I don't have to watch commercials. Um, so it's been a while since I've seen these movies all the way through, um, but I'll, I'll I'll definitely try to you know pick up on you know the 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 score the the next time I watch it uh, whenever. I'm between the third and fourth innings of a baseball game. That sounds like the most Thomas Scully thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Nick, Tilly, what's your number two? Uh, my number two might be a, a little bit of a weird one. Uh, maybe out of left field, some would say. Out of space, out of outer space. Um, so that far out, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, my number two is James Horner's score for Apollo 13. Yeah. It's okay. You're coming to my greens. So I absolutely love this movie. I love this book. Um, and speaking of single solo trumpets, am I right? Um, similarly to how I talked about the Shawshank Redemption, um, the most, um, what's the word? Empowering uh, thing that uh, attracts me to a movie is the idea of hope in the most hopeless situation. Um, what... The my favorite part of the score is the solo trumpet, uh, which is eventually accompanied by other instruments. But the solo trumpet, just main theme, with literally no other sound, um, and it reflects the idea of being lost in the void of space, just by yourself, alone. But the theme itself is so beautiful, and to 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 think of yourself in that situation, um, of knowing that you're probably not going home, you are stuck in a situation that no other person has been in in their entire life, and no other person can even imagine. And yet there's still some beauty to it because it's space and it's like the ultimate um, experience of nature that no one else gets to experience. Um, to me, that's what the score um, that's what the score does for Apollo 13. There are also great um, moments besides just the, just the trumpet piece. Um, when, when they land, when, when they finally hit and that fanfare hits, um, that makes that moment so, so such a fist bump um, moment that's, that's awesome. When the ship finally lands and everyone's in the control room, like celebrating, um, there, there's a lot of great things to the score. But that main, um, that main theme from from Apollo 13 does does that job of creating hope and hopelessness so well that it's that it's one of my favorites. 
This is a good score. It's a good choice. If it was in your bottom three, I would have 100% said okay. Number two is very high, and I definitely think it's misplaced. This film is good. This score is solid. It's top five, Warner. Um, it's not top two film scores of all time, Nick. Doing. Nick, what are you doing? Top two for Apollo 13? Dude, I get it. I get it. But like, you also have to remember... What you have below this, you're telling me this is better than Empire, better than Pirates, better than Jaws, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Sorry, sir. Too high. Very high. Uh, all right, Lucas, what are your thoughts on Apollo 13? So I recently uh, revisited this film, and I actually do really like the score. Um, yeah. Um, I also think that, to be honest, when I was making my list, I think the idea of treating this as an objective top 10 ever is sort of ridiculous because it's such a broad topic. So I applaud Nick for just being like, I really like this score. I'm going to put it my number two. Like, I feel like that's the same mentality. I went to it as well. Just being like, I, I can't create an objective top 10. That's going to be ridiculous. That's an impossibility. Um, yeah. I love the score. It's a great score. That's what someone who would put Phantom Thuds their three would say. You fucking loser Scully. Uh, I've not seen this. They've seen this movie all the way through. Uh, so can't really put my finger on what the score sounds like. Um, that's just because I've only seen maybe 30 minutes of, of, of this movie, so not familiar with it. Uh, um, I have not seen this movie, but to uh, say another thing to make things sound a little bit different, uh, it pains me that I am the only band geek on this on this panel, so when I drop musical terms and the Lucas is, Lucas is going, you're like, what the fuck is going on? But yeah. Oh, hi. Uh, choir Kid. I also am saying, what the fuck is going on? I'm uh, a choir kid. I just don't get all your stuff you're talking about. Exactly. Uh, speaking of number twos, uh, Brooklyn Vale, what's your two? All right, so my two is now the yikes from earlier. earlier uh, it is Hans Zimmer's score for 2009 Sherlock Holmes. This was number one uh, until about probably eight, eight months ago when I saw when I saw another film. Um, this it goes hand in hand with Guy Ritchie's style, I think, where it borders on the line of of, of, of steampunk. I I find, um, and you have these all these different elements. Like you have like the the Victorian the Victorian area when they're when they're sort of in like Sherlock's home, but then when you have like this Irish sort of Celtic feel whenever he is going into going 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 into into the fights as well. Um, one of the things that I love about Hans Zimmer's score, um, and I notice it, in, I notice it in this one, and sort of in The Lion King, uh, is that he's really patient. And in terms of like, he doesn't mind waiting, for, waiting for the build. I feel like there are a lot of there are a lot of composers that are that are like, let's try and get that build as, as quick as possible. But with Hans, it's just like, no, let's let's let, let's sit here, let's let's wait for things, and then sort of sort of pick our, pick our spots in a way. Um, I also did not realize this until I had went back and listened to the score, but every time that you see Sherlock Holmes trying to think, there is always that that re recurring theme of, uh, of some sort of plucked string. Um, and I like that this is sort of rougher on the edges in terms of traditional Hans Zimmer scores. Um, yeah, I just, I, I attach to it and it just, if it's, this is one of the, this is this is probably the, the score in terms of like, satisfying the atmosphere that it's in. Lucas, go. Um, yeah, I actually, I love two things about the score. I do agree it really fits with Guy Ritchie's style. 
I love um, the way they use the score whenever they slow down with the action sequences, which allows um, to complement uh, like the Sherlock Holmes thinking as he thinks about what he's going to do. I also think I love the violin when, um, you know, anytime he's entering, what does it call it? His mind palace or something. Um, yeah. I, I think the score is really um, like frenetic and high paced. And uh, that really fits with the movie that Guy Ritchie is making. Yeah. I really enjoy the score for uh I didn't expect to, I think, when I watched it, because I was like, that seems like an interesting choice. I mean, Guy Ritchie was just like, for this movie, I was not 100% sold. But then in watching it, you're like, oh, they really kind of built a Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes movie. And like, they put it together in a way that fits his style rather than trying to fit Sherlock. And I think that uh, Zimmer's score really plays into that in a really uh, nice way. I like the score a lot. I think it should have beat Chiquino's up for best virtual score 2009. However... Number two of all fucking time is insane. This score is fun. It's real bubbly. It works real well with this film. But at the end of the day, if we're talking the best film scores and you put this at two, way too high. Way, 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 way too high, Brooklyn Vale. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, Nick Tuig, uh, why no Sherlock Holmes? Uh, never seen it. Sorry. Fair enough. Um... <laughs> Thomas Scully, my own Sherlock Holmes. Um, well, here, I respect this score a lot. I I enjoy how kind of different it is from other Zimmer scores. I enjoy how kind of quirky it is. Um, I don't love it per se. I again, I like what it's trying to do. It definitely fits the theme that it, it definitely fits what Guy Ritchie wants uh, wanted to do with his Sherlock Holmes film. Um, I'm just not as big a fan of it as other people. Uh, as Definitely not as big a fan of it as uh, Brooklyn and, uh, and Lucas. Um, so yeah, it's good. Two of all time is uh, a little a, a little out there in left field, but um, you know what? It's his opinion. I'm not going to yell and scream at him like a certain Corona King, but uh, yeah. All right, we are uh, we're moving to number ones. This is it. This is what you think the best film score of all time is. You better sell me. Thomas Scully, what is the best film score of all time? So, I've listened to this score like maybe twenty times in the last couple months, and when making this list, I was I was going through like a number of different options as, as my number one. Now, finally, settled on this one because it is objectively the best score I've ever heard. Uh, the multitude of themes it has, the way the music changes all throughout the movie. My number one of all time is Hans Zimmer's Inception. I think this Inception score is absolutely brilliant. Uh, I, I've said I've said this twice already uh, on uh, on tonight's episode. I like films where the music comes full circle. You you hear that that little bit of time t- towards the beginning when Cobb washes up on shore and he sees the old man Sido and reminds him, you know, you know, you know, we were younger men once, and you see and you see that scene more in the end more in the end of the film but you don't know that yet so it, it so when you finish the film it kind of feels like you're going full, full circle but then not really but then again you are it, it's a confusing film i know but the multitude of you know themes you hear in this with the with with, with time and the, and the chase and and mombasa and the different musical elements you hear all throughout the different dream levels zimmer is able to level those so perfectly and especially when you are in one dream level, and then you flash back, and then you flash up to the one above it, 
Then Zimmer unleashes his bum, bum. It is a beautiful shift in tone, and it feels like you yourself are going in slow motion along with with the, with uh, with the, the the characters in that particular level. When the van is slowly approaching the water, the music changes. Then it shifts to um, the uh, compound, uh, and, and the music changes. Then it switches to Joseph Gordon-Levin in the elevator. The music changes. The way that Zimmer is able to change the music throughout these different scenes and then make it work seamlessly, leading up to the finale where you have time, which is, in my opinion, one of the greatest pieces of music of all time, no pun intended, uh, is fantastic. What what he was able to do with that score, just take what Christopher Nolan did and make it like 10 times more impactful is insane. And Time does what very few pieces of music, uh, uh, very few pieces of music make me do, and that is openly weep. Just the added element of 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 him slowly quieting his music up until like the very crescendo, the high pitch crescendo at the end with the kids ruins me every single time. So this is by far, uh, in my opinion, the best film score of all time. It's pretty fucking good. It's pretty fucking good. Uh, I think it's a good score. It's pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I would say it's the best film score of all time, but knowing you, I'll give you a pass. Uh, I, I understand it for you. Time is a fantastic piece. I would say if we we're picking individual pieces of score, uh, that is the best individual piece of score from the year 2010. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it might be the best individual piece in his entire discography, filmog- uh, filmography. Maybe. I agree. I Maybe. Totally. Arguably. Nah, no, no, no. Sorry, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, it's the best non-Pirates of the Caribbean thing he's ever made individually. Uh, oh, but you off brand. Uh, of course, I can't go off brand. It's my brand. It's who I am. It's my brand. Uh, but uh, Inception's good. Uh, I think the the shifting uh, pieces of time uh, between the different layers, the way you described it, is exactly right. Um, I think it works really well. Uh, I I don't think it's amazing. But sure, all right, uh, Lucas. Inception. Why don't you have it? I'm gonna be honest. I don't like Inception that much. I, I, we lost somebody. Well, Joey took a break. That's fine. No, that's okay. Um, I don't like this film that much, and I think part of um the reason I'm kind of only so so on the score is is kind of tied into the film is just um. I think it's trying so hard to be complicated that I stop caring about anyone in it. Um, I, I think it's too focused. And I think this is kind of a constant criticism you can make of Nolan is that his movies are kind of cold. And I think that while this, it, it's a well-composed piece, but I don't, I lack a connection to it. And I feel like I don't have a technical, uh, <laughs> I don't have a, a lot of technical ability to evaluate these scores. But for me, uh, when I listen to a piece and it leaves me as cold as Inception, that's just not a piece that's going to be ranked that high for me. Um, yeah, it's it's well made. I don't think it's even the best score Zimmer did for a Nolan movie. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of middle of the pack for me. Brooklyn, why no Inception? Um, 
So I've only heard bits and pieces of the score to Inception, and what I have heard, I don't like. Uh, to sort of reiterate what I said earlier, Hans likes to write a lot of shit in D. Uh, he says that himself, and this is one of the ones that sort of just gets added into that bunch. I agree with Lucas. I think the scores from specifically The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises um, are, 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 are a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like... Whenever you go to like a like like a guitar show and everybody's playing in drop D, um, and then it's just like you get to Inception, it's like you don't really stand out for the rest of the pack. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, it's fine. This course fine. Uh, we don't know where Two Nicholas J went, uh, so we'll go to uh, Lucas Schellbach for your number one. All right, so we finally get to the John Williams spot on my list, and. It's very unbrand for me to pick this, but I also do think it's the best score that John Williams has ever done, and that's his score for Schindler's List. I think this is amazing. I think without John Williams' score, you feel horror, and the film shuts you down. I think because of his score, you connect. You feel pain. You feel sorrow as you watch the destruction of a culture. I don't think you can talk about his score without talking about the impact of Itzhak Perlman, potentially the greatest violinist ever, who has some amazing, amazing work, especially in the main theme. This is not as good a score if you do not have that violin on, on that level. And I think that it's just, every single piece moves me. Every single one makes you just feel the suffering that the people who went through this must have felt and also the suffering that Spielberg himself must have felt having to go back through this again as he made this film. I think it is from a composer who quite often makes stuff that, and I'm not insulting this at all, is fun and enjoyable and kind of um, for everyone. This is, I feel like, the the score where Williams delved deepest into his soul to write something and i feel like he just really gets all the emotion and the anguish that anyone should feel watching the atrocities of the holocaust out onto the page and i think this is just an astoundingly composed score uh yeah there he is he's back again uh all right uh so schindler's list is a good score it's well made. This is the score I was talking about when I mentioned Harry Potter earlier. If you listen very closely to the Schindler's List theme, a lot of elements from Schindler's List are recycled into the Harry Potter theme. Um, I like the Harry Potter theme more, but that's just me. Uh, but I think Schindler's List is good. It's great. It makes that film better. I mean, John Williams is never going to hurt a film. Uh, I, th- I just wouldn't necessarily pick the Schindler's List theme to represent him. That's just me. Uh, but it's a great score. I can't fault it being your number one. Everyone else, Schindler's List. Yeah, I I respect the fuck out of what he did for Schindler's List because I I, I agree with Lucas in that he delved really deep into his soul to 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 conjure a piece pieces of music like that. I think Perlman also elevates it to a whole nother level with his with with his work. I I I think. I think Perlman is definitely the highlight of of the score. Uh, the the theme is great, but 
I don't enjoy listening to this as much because it's very it's very sorrowful. Like I like pain. I don't like pain that much. So <laughs> I kind of stay away from listening to this one over and over. Um, but th- th- this is one I more respect and admire more than actually enjoy and want to listen to. Uh, Tuig, Schindler's List. Uh, this is, again, it's just one of those ones I unfortunately have not um, seen, not not for lack of trying. I literally have the DVD. And it's not like I don't want to watch it because I know it's, it's bad. It's, it's like I don't want to watch it because I know it's going to be like the rest of my day is probably going to be ruined. Um, <laughs> but... Not really. Surpri- surprisingly uplifting. Surprisingly uplifting of a story. Something about <laughs> uh, it, it's just, it's. I've never gotten to the point to sit down and actually watch it. I, I believe you in all the things you're saying, but um, but yeah, I just haven't heard the score before or seen it in context. Uh, Bricklevale, Schindler's List. Uh, so yeah, this is the one that I was alluding to earlier uh, when I said this is the one that we played in, the, in that John Williams uh, uh Medley, I guess, I guess you would say. Uh, this one was wedged in between um, in between John Williams and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, I agree with you, Caleb, in that this is not the one to rep- represent him. But I also agree with Lucas in that this is the like it's the best score that isn't that isn't like a John Williams score. Um, I like I like I like what they do, but I think the reason why I left it off of my list is because uh, whenever we played this, uh, it was kind of like the boring section for us. Um, I just kind of played – I just, we just played the thirds um, while the clarinets and and the flutes had the fun melodies, uh, and it was kind of like the, like, all right, sit back here, and now let's get to the really fun part of Race of the Lost Ark. So it's kind of a personal bias, but I totally respect you having Shudder's list at number one. Too big, Nicholas J., you're number one. Uh, my pick to the score that – uh, I, I won't say probably should have because, like I said, I haven't heard uh, Lucas's score. But uh, it, it is the quintessential, in my opinion, uh, John Williams score. I haven't talked about John Williams in a hot second. It's Jurassic Park. Um, this has been, um, I won't say and always will be, but since I, have seen, since I saw Jurassic Park when I was a, a young child, this has been my favorite score of all time. I had the absolute pleasure um, in San Diego – uh, there for this the San Diego when I lived in San Diego the San Diego Symphony Orchestra did a film series. Uh, it was cool. For some reason they did Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. So I got to go see that score live. And, yeah, it was really weird. But they did the original Jurassic Park, so I got to go see the movie while a live orchestra played the score, and it was one of the coolest experiences ever. And just reaffirmed uh, my opinion that Jurassic Park uh, is the best film score of all time. It's got. Um, an unbelievable way of portraying horror, portraying beauty in nature. Again, this is a theme that comes up, hopeless, hope and hopeless situations. Um, I think music is is the thing that can do that. Um, to go back to Shawshank just for a hot second, to make that point even more, his whole thing when he goes into the um, the room, the, the why can't I think of the word? Uh, when you get put in a room all by yourself and, and you're kept away from everyone. Solitary confinement. Confinement, yes, thank you. Uh, when he gets put in solitary, um, music is the thing that gets him through. It's, it's the thing that gives him hope in the hopeless situation. And, and the, the beauty in nature, the beauty in the theme of man playing God um, and how that goes is so well portrayed in the theme of Jurassic Park and all its different themes. Um, it's it's epic in scale and, and then it's, um, it's scary. Uh, and it's just, it, it has always been and will always, or for the time being, will always be my, my favorite. Score ball. Yes. Jurassic Park slaps. 
Uh, it's one of the. I think it's quintessentially one of John Williams' top three film scores, maybe top four. Uh, it's a fantastic theme. Uh, the score itself is really good. There's not much more I can say about the Jurassic Park theme. Uh, I think. Uh, I think one of my favorite versions, interpretations of this. Someone did this on a. Um, on uh, I forget the name of the instrument. It's the guitar that you lay down and you just pluck it while it's laying down. Oh, uh, slide. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it'd be a slide, a slide guitar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just certain he plays it like that. It's very, it's great. I think it's an absolute great interpretation of it. I think no matter which way you play it, the score is perfect. Uh, and this is an excellent choice for being the number one. Uh, so good job uh, to you did it. Uh, all right, uh, Thomas Scully. Yeah, I, uh, I, re- I, I like the the uh, Jurassic Park score. I don't, I, I don't think of it as like. When I think of John Williams, and I, and I like, if someone were to ask me, rank John Williams in terms of like what you think in terms of prestige. Russell Park would maybe be like the fifth or the sixth. It's it's, it's not among my like S tier elite John Williams scores, but I really really enjoy it. I think it adds a lot of it, it. It makes Jurassic Park such a good movie. The score elevates uh, a, a lot lot of scenes in that film. That like like I, I think. One of the greatest scenes with music and film is when they first see the dinosaurs, and then the theme kicks in. I think that that, that moment is absolutely breathtaking. You get chills every time. Um, yeah, so, but this one just it, it missed my list because I just like a lot of other John Williams scores more. It's more of a personal taste. I didn't get to Jurassic Park until I was like 15, 16 years old. I I, I came into Jurassic Park very late, so I don't have that much nostalgia for that and, and for the score. Uh, Lucas, Jurassic Park. So I was actually kind of mad on Jurassic Park as a film and a score for a while. I rewatched it originally and I liked it a lot more. I still think my my one critique of this would be I think it has a great theme and I don't have a lot of pieces after the theme that I'm in love with the same way I am with. I feel like other John Williams scores go a lot deeper than the Jurassic Park one. I think it has a great theme, but not necessarily like if you get to the seventh best track on it, do I like that as much as I like the seventh best on a Star Wars or a Schindler's or like a lot of other ones? I feel like it's really top heavy, but drops down a little, a little bit more than some of the other ones do. Uh, Brooklyn, Jurassic Park. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll allude to what I said earlier. Uh, I think that Jurassic Park uh, does, or that, that the things in Jurassic Park I like more in uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark and to be honest with you, Star Wars. Um, but the thing in the theme in particular that I think everybody should check that that should pay attention to, pay attention to the French horns and the trombones, especially what, especially what they're doing and uh, and how that harmony really dictates what they do with the overall melody. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, this brings us to your number one, Brooklyn Vale. All right. Yeah. Well. Um, I'll just, uh, let me just get my feet planted here. Uh, this is, this is, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be hot and heavy. Uh, number one is Fantasia slash Fantasia 2000. Yeah. Now. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, instead of the what, I will, I will, accom- or I will, uh, credit the people that, that should be accredited. Uh, Leopold Stokowski, uh, for the first film. And then there isn't necessarily a person to compose the, 
the score, but I would credit the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and the Philharmonia Orchestra uh, because they had to they had they had to play all of these things. Now I know what you're saying, but Brooklyn, these are mostly uh, famous pieces done by like Tchaikovsky and and, and Beethoven. Uh, the orchestra still had to perform these, and these still had to be curated by somebody. What's the one thing, and especially Edgar Wright films and comic book films that everybody loves? Man, I love how the music fits perfectly with what's going on in the, in the scenes. You know what does that? You know what did that first and does it honestly the best? Animation, in particular, golden age, golden age animation. I've said before how Looney Tunes is one of the greatest animated shows in terms of like how the score fits with this. I say the exact same thing for Fantasia slash Fantasia 2000. I think these are two movies that every person should experience. They are literally movies built around the score. And then I personally pick Fantasia 2000 over Fantasia. Fantasia is just a little bit weirder. Um, but I like Fantasia. I like Fantasia in terms of the grandeur and and the and the general and the general aspect of, of it all. Um, but yeah, it's it's great. Um, I I can't say I can't say enough. I can't say enough about it. It is literally music. Vi- it's music visualized. It's not a narrative film. Um, but yeah, everything that you like about modern movies, you have to thank movies like this. Brooklyn, I don't think you understood the list. No one came here and said Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 because I really like how Father and Son was used. This wasn't best soundtrack. There's no original score for Fantasia or for Fantasia 2000. We picked a collection of classical pieces that are animated beautifully. They beautifully animate. Sorcerer's Apprentice is original. Okay, cool. You've got one piece in a two-hour movie that is original. And it's, that's what I'm saying. One, I allowed you to pick both of them. And two, I allowed you to put it on here so I could publicly say, this is not a film score. This is a film soundtrack. Can we please, please realize that Fantasia 1 is overrated and 2 is a soundtrack. When, you, when I saw this on your number one for film scores, I, yeah. Listen. As much as I love Rhapsody in Blue in Fantasia 2000, Rhapsody in Blue is not a score. That is a soundtrack piece. Sure, there's no lyrics, but that is a piece not written for that movie that is used as a score, but it's not an original score. It is a soundtrack. Uh, so and was was the list the best list. original scores? It was best film scores. That's not a score, period. Was the best original scores, though? But that's not a score. It's a It's a film built around the score. It's a film built around a soundtrack. Guardians of the Galaxy should be your number one then. All right. You know what? You lose. Your list sucks. Good day, sir. Uh, Scully. Fantasia. Well, that was intense. Um, yeah, I, I I, haven't seen Fantasia in a while, but um, I, I, again, I don't remember there being like, I mean, yes, I remember there being like an orchestra and them playing music, but like, I don't think it's I don't think it counts. Like I, I just I have a hard time thinking that it counts. Tilling. Um I'll say it counts for you, Brooklyn. Um but then I will also um say what I have said a lot before in that to me the impressive thing is when it's done first. So when all these classical pieces are composed originally, that's awesome to me. Putting them together is really cool and animating along with it. Um 
I agree. We should thank those movies for what we have today. But in terms of what you were talking about, in terms of like the action moving along with the with the score and with the piece like that, for me that's more of like a cherry on top or a sprinkle or, or sprinkles. So like with Fantasia and Fantasia two thousand, when that's the whole thing, to me that's that's not my thing um, personally. Like like I, I would like a little more substance to it. Um, but all great, assuming it counts because it's on your list, and Coho didn't say it can't be on your list. It is a great collection of music um, that is put together very well. Lucas Um, Never seen either movie. Not familiar with uh, music or score, whatever you want to call it, that was used with either film. All right. Well, that is it. We have reached the end of the show. We're going to share the, the individual, each, everyone's individual list. But first, I will, before I before everyone goes, I'm going to talk about what is coming up next. So next week is the best 2010 movie season. Still comic books, Cody Newberry is back. If you want to be on that, submit right now. I'm talking right now. Go send your list to Cody if you want to be on that. They are due tonight. The week after is best musicals represented by one song. I'm back in the hosting chair. I have my panel. That is Andrew Barr, Cameron Holtzman, um, Cody Newberry and Adelaide Spence. That is my panel Ooh. for uh, musicals. You're not going to want to miss that. After that is the top 40 comic book scenes series. That is two of the, these two. These two. Got, whatever. Fuck it. Nick Tuick and Thomas Scully are on the show. Uh, along with Nick Carley and Robert Parker. That is going to be our month of October. You're going to want to stick around for those four weeks with those guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now. That we got all that out of the way. We're going to move on to everyone's individualists and grades. So, uh, coming in first place today with the best list. Nick Twig. Uh, Nick Twig is taking the win today. Uh, on the whole, I think I liked everything on his list for the most part. Up in Apollo 13, either a little high or their inclusion was offensive, but literally they made it. you made it up uh, with every single pick uh, else on here. Fantastic. Uh, coming in number two, very slightly, Thomas Scully. Uh, I think your list, your list on the whole is very good. You had La La Land, Social Network, Creed. Uh, I don't hate the person of Asker in front of the King's picks. Uh, they did kind of just slightly skew your list. Last Samurai, Inception, Gladiator, all a little high, but on the whole, on brand for you, I don't hate it. Fine score list. Uh, number three, Brooklyn Vale. Uh, Brooklyn Vale did not lose, uh, despite not having a film score since number one, because literally almost everything up to that point was on point. You had Pirates, Lies, you had Raiders, you had Pink Panther, Good, Bad, Ugly, you had American Beauty, Back to the Future, Halloween. Every single score knocked out of the park. Ponyo, weird inclusion, don't fault you for it. Sherlock Holmes, a little high. Fantasia, not a film score, but at the end of the day, everything else, perfectly great. Uh, and Lucas Schildbach, your list fucking sucks. Uh, I'm so proud of this, just to be clear. I am so proud of this. The fact that you don't like my score, my list, after picking two lists filled with just franchise movies, makes me so proud of my list. I'm glad I'm glad you know that you're happy with your shitty film taste. Uh, Phantom Thread, way too high. Bad pick. Last of the Mohicans, sure. Braveheart, sure. Can't fault you. Uh, wow. Godfather Part 2, sure. Schindler's List, not my John Williams pick, but okay. If these two could talk, uh, sure. But your slander against other movies really did hurt you a lot, uh, a la 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 Land. Uh, Paddington 2, weird take. Magnificent 7, fine. But yeah, on the whole, uh, worst list tonight. People stop watching La La Land. It's not a good movie. You someday will grow up and realize this when you actually hit adulthood. Please stop watching this film. 
And this is why you fail. Uh, all right. Your combined list for tonight. Coming in at number 10, The Godfather Part 2. Number 9, Halloween. Number 8, Fantasia. Number 7, Schindler's List. Number 6, Inception. Number 5, Jurassic Park. Number 4, Sherlock Holmes. Number 3, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number 2, The Empire Strikes Back. And the winner this week is Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. The correct winner. The correct winner won. And I was happy to see that, that that was someone's three and four on a list where there was almost no crossover. Correct win. All right. Collusion. Thank you. Thank you all so much for watching uh, and tuning in. Yes, Collusion. I'll throw it <laughs> uh, but that was legit. Uh, that's why I'm happy. Uh, thank you guys for watching. Come back next week for best film scenes of the 2010s. Cody is finally back. He's had a long break. Uh, he will be back for the hosting show. You're not going to miss that. But for everyone here. Uh, that has been Brooklyn. That has been Scully. That has been Nick. That has been Lucas. I learned how to point at the last second. Uh, thank you guys for watching. We'll see you guys next week with uh, Cody. My God, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> better lawyer up, asshole. Because I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for everything. Get what you fucking deserve! Turn to your lady friend. Duncan, please return to your lady friend. No. Hasta la vista, baby.